My name is Steven. The universe has many horrors yet to throw at us. This is not the end of our struggle. This is just the beginning of our crusade to save humanity. Be faithful, be strong, be vigilant. The Emperor of Mankind. Hi, my name's Mike. We are beset on all sides by vile predatory aliens and sedition gnaws at us from within. In this dark hour, the best we can do is look to our war gear and pray to our gods. Skolak Atralar, the fourth Imperial Commander. I'm Reed. Those with superior reach can dictate the terms of battle and impose their will upon their foe. Remember, the first step on the path to victory is often the most important. Commander Puretide. And I'm Matt, and here on the eve of 10th edition... I want to remind everyone it's simplified, not simple games workshop. (laughs) Another false prop, another false promise. (laughs) (laughs) And we are the scattered guys here talking about scattered dice. How are y'all doing? Well, I've been just pouring over rules all day in between work. I think I've read it twice now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep read it once so um so here we are recording on the 2nd of june um and before we get started we're going to talk a little bit about where the podcast is re- really quickly where we want to end up and how we're going to do that so first and foremost we you know if you are a listener we're just very thankful that you guys are, are out there listening to our stuff and if you're, you're coming back week after week we appreciate the support. Please keep going and liking our Facebook and our Twitter and our Instagram and all that stuff. We, we are going to try to become more active. I know we keep saying that, but the biggest thing is we're all really busy with lives. Uh, we're taking master's degrees. We're changing jobs. We're raising kids. We're moving across the country. We're in dental school. Like we, we are a unique cast of characters and we are everywhere and it's hard to coordinate. With that in mind, um, we will be switching to for at least a little bit for the foreseeable future we'll be switching to one episode a month. So the first week of every month, we're going to try to get uh, a couple hours worth of content out to you guys. With that in mind, we are going to use this time to individually pick up some of the pieces of our content and produce more things for you guys. So I know Mike and Reed have talked about wanting to write some reviews on stuff that comes out. And I think this is a perfect time to start with the free rules and the free data slates and everything like that. So with Steven and I helping out with some Instagram stuff and Facebook things, we are going to be trying to do that with the end result being more podcasts, live streams. We're going to try to get some video game streaming in there as well. Like we have a lot of stuff that we want to get done, but we're, we tried to do a whole bunch and we didn't do any of it. And it, the podcast started to slide a little bit. So we're going to refocus that efforts, bring you guys some quality stuff. Um, and eventually we'll get back to a couple of episodes here and there, hopefully twice a month, but that'll be in the future. So today's going to be the first of a new kind of style we do where we're going to take a look at uh, some reviewing what's going on in the hobby and the most relevant news for the first part. And then we'll have a little after section where we have some fun. And uh, today will be, the first of those. So without spoiling too much, because uh, I was about to there, I caught myself. Um, we'll go <laughs> ahead and we'll safe. do the hobby updates. So we're going to go ahead and start with 
uh, Reed. So Reed, tell us what you have been doing in the hobby lately. Yeah, uh, well, for the past couple of months, uh, I've been traveling away for business, so I didn't get a lot of painting or gaming in. But before that, uh, I was I knew I was going to be gone, so I kind of tried to front load a bunch of paintings. So I knocked out some snotlings, and I'm almost done with some lizards. That's for Blood, Blood Bowl, Bowl, right? Yes, for Blood Bowl. Uh, some snotlings yeah. for Blood Bowl. And then, uh, so I finished those, and I'm about to finish. I have two left to do um, my Lizardmen Blood Bowl team. And I got a couple Iron Warriors um, to knock out, about five. And then I'll be done with like two Combat Patrol boxes worth of Iron Warriors. And then after that, I told myself, as soon as I clear my project or my hobby table, I have to start painting a Manta. So as soon as oh, I'm done man. painting these five Iron Warriors, I have to start actually basing my Manta. So that will happen. Um, I'm kind of forcing myself to do it. But game-wise, I played a couple games before I left. I was gone for about two months. And then when I got back, I, I've played about two games so far uh, of Ninth Edition, just trying to get some more Ninth Edition games in. Uh, and they've been fun. And I've enjoyed them very much. What uh remind me, Reed, do you have an airbrush? I do. Thank thank God. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I was saying, that's like about a square meter top and a square meter bottom of yeah. just open surface area that I would have to paint. <laughs> I just want to see you with the tiny brush just I'm I'm gonna be probably going through at least a pot of Castellan Green as the base coat, and then <laughs> everything else will be easier because it'll be just trim. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna burn through a lot of paint. Yep. Good. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. Um, well, and we're we're glad to have you back on the show. Just for everybody's knowledge, we hope to have Reed on as a little bit more of a regular. Yeah. Uh, we are. He's, he represents the first of a wave of uh, kind of new regulars that we're trying to build out the cast to also help. So when one person's busy, someone else can kind of fill in the shoe. And we, we have a, a broad range of opinions whenever we do this show. Because, you know, we don't like to just have like one or two people on. And it makes it fun when there's like a good deal of us. So with that being said, Mike, I know you've been busy. What has your hobbying looked like lately? Yeah, for sure. So I'm the one who did the big move and started a new job and it's been hectic and it all happened kind of fast. So um, my big thing right now has been packing models and now very soon unpacking them. Um, that's <laughs> been an experience by itself because um, I have significantly more models than I have boxes and foam and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of my hobby time has been like, OK, what? what can I sacrifice <laughs> in the sense of <laughs> if, if it doesn't survive, I won't be very upset. Um, and that answer was my 40 K space Marines. So they are kind of just in a box <laughs> <laughs> padded by each other. <laughs> so <laughs> hoping hey, that I have at supporting least battle brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a true, like it's probably like a full, like you know company couple companies just <laughs> lodged in one big drop box so hopefully that works but my uh all of my chaos and then britney zeldar all were able to be in nice packages with foam and it's not all perfect i definitely had to mix and match some stuff so a lot of my hobby time went to that and then now that i'm here in the great state of washington um i now have to worry about how while well, i'm temporarily living back home how how to turn the space the very limited space into something i can productively use 
So yeah. with the kid on the way, I, I know Matt and Steven have talked about this a lot before, but like being set up and ready to go, removing those inhibitors, that is my next challenge is how to do that in a home that's not really mine. So <laughs> <laughs> I know every nook and cranny of this house because I grew up here, but it's not really mine. So how do I... <laughs> how do I set myself up and plus the kid on the way? So that is my next hobby project is making it so that I can hobby. (laughs) I also stopped by my, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 keep going. Oh yeah. I was just gonna say, I stopped by my local game store that I grew up going to, and I grew up going to for magic. Um, And so I stopped by and it's one of the biggest on the West coast. um, As far as just cards and comic stores go, it's the, it's a straight up warehouse. Um, and I, cause I, you know, I've never really paid attention to their table space growing up cause I didn't need it. Yeah. Um, now I've come back and realized it's not great. It's such a great organization and such a great, like the, the lady who runs the place is incredible. Um, uh, but it doesn't have a great tabletop scene. It looks like, and it, the scene it does have looks like they're much more into skirmish games like battle tech, kill team, stuff like that. So that's my challenge after I set up how I can hobby at home is, where can I go play? <laughs> so there is a GW store here, so I'll have to check that out too. And then, you know, eventually we'll move out and I'll have to redo it all. But that's, that's kind of my short-term hobby projects is how to hobby here and where to play games. So more to follow. That's fair. That's fair. Um, well, I hope you get situated fast and you get those uh, death guard out on the table as I assume you'll be one of the few. Uh, but more on that later. <laughs> so, Stephen, yes. uh, what have you been up to? The orc renaissance continues. I've been <laughs> dusting off my old orcs from, oh, it's a amalgamation of third edition orcs and current orcs. So, been, uh, I think I just finished five old orcs. There were um, orc, sorry, orc, orc war bikes. They're the old, like, funny looking ones they have two guns on either side <laughs> look like they're about to take off and the orc is like half the size of the bike it looks like he's smaller than a guardsman yeah <laughs> he, he really is he's a very small boy which is funny because i found some 3d files for orcs and they have small bikes with big boys so between the two of them now i have a you know a regular size bike and an orc <laughs> yeah it all averages out to a regular boy <laughs> exactly make it well, on you know, just clowns on unicycles yeah <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. But that's the beauty of the orcs. You know, there's no like standardized orc. So even within GW's range, they, they all just look different. So I'm just embracing that. Um, but yeah, right before I came here to see Matthew, I was finishing up my war boss and mega armor and a weird boy. And then I came here and I was conscripted into the, the communist space empire. That is the Tau. I'm so and sorry. It was, it's been terrible. He's been making me <laughs> prime no and coat. <laughs> it's for the greater good. You can't see me on the, on the camera, but I'm blinking out. Save me and more. Just change to the desk. It's, it's the painting gulag. We, we went for the, ed- the highly educated people first. <laughs> no, but in all, in all honesty, it's been fun. Um, He's going for far side enclaves and they're looking pretty sharp and all they have is red and gray and black on them and they already look like they're ready to go. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much it. I'm just looking forward to doing some more orcs when I get back uh, to my hobby space and trying to get about 2000 points ready so I can start 
playing some 10th edition. Mm-hmm. I got a Stompa waiting for me at home, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> should probably buy two more and see how that goes. <laughs> you should. <clears throat> but yeah, what about you, Matthew? What, I mean, I just sort of spoiled it for you, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, so yeah, so first, um, Stephen has graciously uh, helped me. Um, I feel bad. Once again, he brought stuff to play and, and just timing for his visit. It didn't really work out. Um, additionally, both of us don't really know uh, our army's ninth edition rules right now. And so we didn't really want to learn them like as they're releasing 10th edition rules. <laughs> um, so we we're we're not doing any games, but um, he helped me. So I had, you know, um, a lot of Tau on the table and he helped me. Um prime and put the base you know the main color red over everything so that's 40 infantry that's um two devil fish and a, a hammerhead a riptide three broadsides um a um ghost keel some crisis suits three uh three sets of uh no two sets of two sets of crisis yeah two sets of um stealth suits so like I, I had a whole bunch of stuff um, and he helped me get it all ready to now, like literally he and I spent, I think it was like two, he had already done some of it, but then I sat down with him and as you finished up the stuff, I went through and I blacked out like all the mechanical bits on all the battle suits and everything and on the vehicle. So now they're like, they're, they're pretty much tabletop ready. Uh, and then we, the other night we, we, we'd spend about an hour and did all the gray on the infantry and then we're starting to put like gray panels on the, the vehicles and stuff. So it's, it's coming together and it's getting to a point kind of going to what you were saying, Mike, where like, I was really busy and I just didn't have time to do everything in one fell swoop. But now that everything's at like a good starting area, I can now like, I'm going to put gray on everything and then I'm going to put like gold on everything as the little like circular bits on the stuff and all that. Yeah. Uh, and then literally I'm going to call that tabletop done. And then I'm going to go mo- like unit by unit and go in and do the detailing and the highlighting and the, and everything like that. And it's such like a weight off my shoulders to know that like I can put everything off to one side and just pick something and be like, I'm going to work on this until it's done now. But in the meantime, it all will look at least semi good on the tabletop and uniform. Um, Yes, and yeah. it, it's so nice. I really never want to take gray models to the table ever. Um, and so this works great. Additionally, um, I've been making some hobby purchases lately. Um, I've, yeah, I've been, uh, and I, once again, I got to pay Reed for one of them. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, really, I really don't, I really don't like need anything right now, but I've been seeing deals come up. Uh, so for instance, I'm, my Votan is sitting in the back. I, everything's still in boxes. I'm just kind of prepping. I think I'm going to do the same thing I did with the Tau where I, I build everything, paint everything, and get it on the table all at once. Um, and uh, I, so like uh, the, the boarding patrol, which I wanted more of the, uh, each, each thing in there I wanted more of. And it, I got offered it, I think $25 less than MSRP. So I was like, okay, I'll jump on that. And then I got some special edition models for a, a decent price. Um, and then Reed had a, a contact who was selling Tau models. And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll just see. He's got a devil fish. I want another devil fish. And he's got a red tide. It was a good deal. It was a really yeah, it was good a deal. Stupid good deal. <laughs> I was like, hey, can, can you ask him how much for the riptide and the devil fish? And he said 80 for both of them. Hell yeah. And I was like, 
Oh my god! Oh, don't forget you. It's it's stealth three stealth suits, a riptide and devilfish, and then I also a mix of drones. But as a gift to you, there's also going to be ten breachers in there that I oh also my bought. god wow. what that's the bargain so, of the century yeah that's a bargain yeah. of the century for eighty bucks yeah. for eighty bucks like yeah. that's that's insane <laughs> um why do I buy new models. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and I'll tell you that's a little funny coming from Steven. (laughs) (laughs) I will I will say something right now. Steven and I were talking about it. Like if you have a I wouldn't I wouldn't do this with like older ranges or older models. But if you plan like if Reed was like, hey, eventually I want a sisters of battle armor army like there's in no way, shape or form are those going to be like new, like redone, essentially. So go and look online and like the buy trade sell Facebook pages and stuff and start buying boxes now because prices are only going to go up every year. Right. And so if you, if you want to do something, go buy the box, set it to the side. And when you're ready to go build them and stuff, but like right now with all these rules coming out, you've got people who are like, you know, trying to, trying to power game and it's no knock against them, but as these rules come out and their, their thoughts on armies are changing. I, I mean, every day I'm seeing like hundreds of boxes getting moved over these websites and these Reddit posts and everything like that. So like, um, go on there, uh, especially if you're interested in Votan. Um, everybody's selling their Votan <laughs> armies right now. Oh, and uh, Forge World stuff. Yep. And Forge World. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll get to that. But uh, so, yeah. So anyways, um, I've been making some hobby purchases and I've been doing that. Um, and I'm super excited about these Tau on the, the field of battle soon. Um, and with that being said, I think that kind of concludes our, our hobby stuff. We're all going to have a moment of silence for Kurt. Okay, moment of silence complete. <laughs> um, he's still out there living his best life. Um, and additionally, we might be getting a, another member of the team here shortly. Um, he's interested in Eldar right now. Um, and he's interested in coming into the hobby. So, um, and, uh, so anyways, so we're going to jump right in and we're going to talk about 10th edition. So today, June 2nd, uh, games workshop released the core rules for Warhammer 40,000 10th edition, and they are now available for free to download, which is a huge, a huge thing. I don't ever remember getting a free rule set downloadable um oh look they finally and... made it to the 21st century <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean they were free for ninth oh yeah you're right <laughs> you right nobody cared though <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so anyways so what we're gonna do now is i'm gonna open the floor to the other three gentlemen and i'll let them talk about what they see are some major changes in the rules and we'll we'll kind of discuss them and uh, we'll just start with what I think is the most important. And it, can can anybody give us just kind of an overview of the big changes that we're seeing from from tenth? Well, I just would like to really quickly 9th. point out. I don't think anybody caught it, but do you know where I got my quote? The rulebook, the tenth edition. Yeah, rulebook? it's it's the <laughs> one under core rules. It's the only quote <laughs> in the entire core rule download. I looked because <laughs> I was going to find something, <laughs> really? but that was the only one. Wow. Yep. Not it doesn't have any like, of the fluff. It's just rules. Yeah. I was just so busy reading the rules that like, I wasn't even looking <laughs> at all the side stuff that's on the side of the pages. 
Okay, yeah, that's my second comment I'll make before we actually jump in. I hate that they put important rules in sidebars. Oh, wait, wait, what? I've I've always hated that. They do that in every codex where it'll be like, it's talking Mm. about the movement phase. And then it'll be like, oh, but also don't forget about transports. And then it just keeps going. And then you have to like go to the some stupid sidebar to find out, wait, what about transports? You know what I mean? They yeah. they do it in every rule book. They've always done it. And it is probably the single most infuriating thing that I forget to care about once I know the rules. So <laughs> <laughs> No, That's yeah. From the, yeah. I was like, honestly, the the biggest thing about tenth edition so far has just been the the changing of the phases because you had yeah. multiple, you know a lot of phases they've cut two of them out for tenth edition they have yep. cut the morale phase and the psychic phase out and they've yeah kinda... so what's what's y'all's thoughts on on the you know the morale phase getting wrapped into everything i think personally uh, you know answers what we all said which is morale seems very important now um but what about the psychic phase what's what's everyone thoughts on the psychic phase getting taken out i i just I don't think it's like one, it's not going to affect game time in any way, shape or form. Like the psychic phase and the psychic abilities have now been spread out amongst the other phases, the movement the, or the command phase, the movement, the shooting, the fight phase. Um, when that rule or the psychic power is, you know, is going to affect it. So instead of waiting to the psychic phase to cast, you know, can advance and then charge, you are now going to just do it either in the movement phase or in the, in the command phase. So the psychic abilities are just being divvied up into, in, across the different phases, and that's going to help with uh, the gameplay flow. Because, yeah, playing a Thousand Suns player or playing a Grey Knights player as a Tau player, I just sit there for 15 minutes while they worry about <laughs> Cabal points or whatever or all their different smites, and I just roll some invuln saves or feel no pain saves, and I'm, that's it for me. Like, I don't do anything. Uh, at least now in 10th edition, it looks like I, I am going to be a little bit more active or I'm not just going to sit there because we're going to, it's going to seem more fluid to me as we're going from movement phase into shooting phase, into the charge phase, into the fight phase without a psychic phase. Uh, I'm okay with it. Honestly. Um, I think it's going to be good. Uh, the, once again, the, the timeline of the game is still going to be three hours. At mo- like you know, at the least, like it's not changing the length of time by cutting phases. It's just spreading those phases out, where it's not super confusing. I would say too. I feel like what I agree with that. I think that they did achieve their goal, where it's not there's just an entire phase that you just don't get to play in. Sometimes, where you just get to watch your opponent for however long, depending on the army and your army. I think they achieved that goal, and I think that was a good goal, and I think they did it. My hesitancy and concern um as somebody who was forced converted to thousand suns i'm putting on my magic my cat um (laughs) or taking it off i don't know what the i don't know what the right (laughs) answer is there but the uh i i just feel like so much the coolest thing about psychic heavy armies eldar thousand suns gray knights specifically was you had so much customization and flexibility it was almost overwhelming how much Grey Knights and Thousand Suns had, and even Eldar a little bit. And it, it's just, that was so cool. And I feel like with psychic abilities now getting wrapped up into data sheets as just an ability, there's a lot of those really good options are still there, but you don't, you can't pick. A good example is like, it doesn't affect orcs nearly as much because you wanted your weird boy to have to jump. <laughs> that was the answer. And it's also beyond being good, 
it's funny and really cool. So it like checks all three boxes for orcs. But for Thousand Sons, I suddenly can't do all these other crazy things. And there's a lot less buffing with psychic powers. And now it's rolled up to very specific things. And now Thousand Sons still have their Cabal point system. So they probably were impacted by the change the least. Eldar and Thousand Sons are the ones, or Grey Knights are the ones who are going to feel it the most and that lack of customization. So I am curious. I also, the second point I will say is that the actual damage dealing psychic attacks, they seem fine. Like they're, yeah, you know what I mean? Like they're not, I wouldn't say that those are worse. I'd just say they're different. Um, Yeah. Because they're going to be better in some cases, whether or not you roll the six to do mortal wounds. And then when you do roll the six, it's going to be even better. So you'll notice a lot of psychic weapons and attacks um, don't have any AP. That's because almost all of them will have the devastating words wounds keyword, which is if they have a six to wound, unmodified six to wound, uh, the damage is dealt as mortal wounds instead. So there is still that chance that you're just going to pop off for a bunch of mortal wounds. That's still there, uh, but you're not going to kill... And it's especially good against things that are high toughness anyway. It almost makes their anti-armor better because now it's you're, that's where you're going to get that mortal wound output when you're shooting for those sixes anyways. So I'd say like a lot of a lot of good with the psychic changes, in my opinion, but the the abilities, not the damage, you know, not the damage output, but the abilities are where I'm a little nervous that about the lack of flexibility. That's, yeah. that's fair. I think that's something... The lack of customization, I think, is something that we saw hints of towards the tail end of ninth. And it, uh, you know, I, I will say I doomsayed a lot. Um, <laughs> and and to be honest, some of it did come true. Um, I I see why they did certain things. So I'm I don't think it was necessarily like a like out of spite stuff. Like they have done things with with reason behind them you are losing a lot of customization going into this next edition. And that has a lot to do with the fact that they're playing into the meta in terms of, Hey, the meta dictated that people did these one thing. Like we gave options and everyone only took a, B and C because that's what the meta dictated. Nobody took E F G H I J K L M P because that was for the 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 oddballs and stuff. Now every every so often that that order would change or something and someone would come up with something different. But there the the big thing that we're seeing is hey, you know, this this thing confused people or caused people some issues. So we, you know, we got rid of it or we changed it to where it's simplified. And going back to my quote and what they've been preaching the entire time, simplified not simple. Um, and I think that's, I think Reed hit it right on the nose by saying like, yeah, they took away the psychic phase, which simplifies things, but it doesn't make it simple because those abilities still exist. And despite the fact that you don't have to choose, you still have to, like, if you take a psychic model, you still have to, as, as the general, you still have to decide when best to use it, which is not necessarily a simple thing, except if it's the jump, which is. Always from point A to point B. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, there's, you know, other small, like that's the big thing is like, you know, the loss or addition of phases is always a major change. But I was like, there are smaller changes like coherency and the number of, of coherency. So models as of right now, any 
unit that has six or more models, you have to be within two inches of coherency between with two models. Now, it, now it's seven or more to yeah. add in. It's essentially what it does is it just allows you to maintain that five unit coherency with an addition of a leader. That's all yeah. it really does. That's right. the, the only big change is just adding room for a leader to be uh, for that, like just one unit coherency. The next, the, the big thing I think people are going to really have a hard time getting used to is probably the determining visibility and terrain. Uh, because there's a lot of different ones where it's like the model is fully visible, the unit's fully visible, uh, the the unit is just visible, or the model is just visible, and that goes with like the new terrain rules, um, mm -hmm. where a lot of the terrain is it all just it all instead of ninth edition where there's heavy there's dense cover and there's light cover and they provide different bonuses and they have different ways of activating and you can like gingerly touch into a piece of cover. <laughs> now it's it's a little bit different now where. Uh, the big keyword on a lot of pieces, uh, a lot of this terrain is wholly within. If you want the benefits of some of these pieces of terrain, you have to be wholly within the terrain now. So you can't just. For me, I used to do it all the time. I would just touch one little crew, uh, crew warrior or crew hound um, into the terrain piece, and now that full unit can just see through it. And you're like, haha, I win, um, and I get the cover save. Now, with the you know the keyword wholly within that's going to change how people interact with train a lot and also like the pipes because before when i used to set up games any kind of barricade or pipe mm -hmm. me and my opponent would be like i don't we don't want this like let's, let's just let's just get in the way let's get all i want are ruins i want a ruins that are obscuring and i'm going to put five or six of them on the board and then a couple containers and that's it now with um like these pipes barricades and smaller stuff providing just to infantry within like one or two inches like cover if you're being if you're being sighted through the other side and that's like one of those things if if the model's visible but not wholly visible you get the benefit of cover um, mm -hmm. for pipes and barricades that's going to be a big difference and you'll see you'll probably see more of that on like uh, gt terrain uh pipes and all kinds of stuff that makes the tabletop look more aesthetically appealing uh because you saw it near the end of ninth edition, a lot of the preset terrain or even player place terrain barricades and stuff weren't even included. It was just, you had two to three pieces of obscuring and then a couple pieces of light cover. And that was it. And you just went, you, you player placed that. So, uh, the changes to terrain are small, but they, they're, they're going to matter in the big sense. And once again, simplified, not simple. Uh, yeah. And I think to carry that on a little bit further, the important thing to note too, as Reed said, like, all those weird keyword, not weird, but all those like that extensive list of keywords that apply different effects based on terrain, all gone. And the one that matters is just, do you have the benefit of cover or not? Um, and yep. that's capital benefit of cover. I don't know why, but it's yeah. always capitalized. Um, <laughs> always capital. uh, <laughs> capital benefit of cover. And what that does, they've already previewed it um, before these rules are released today, but just as a refresher, it's just going to add one to the armor saving throw against ranged attacks which is what everybody thinks of when they think of cover from a more long-term sense. Um, it's the equivalent of light cover from ninth edition or just cover in all the editions before that, that I played at least. But the key thing here is if a model has a three up armor save, so I think most space Marines, you don't get the bent, like the uh, uh, modification of adding one to the armor save doesn't matter if it's an AP zero attack and you have a three up armor. So essentially what it's saying is you cannot gain a two-up armor save from the benefit of cover, 
which is, I think, super interesting. And I think that is probably good. And it's going to reduce, like Reed was talking about, a lot of those instances of like, oh, I'm just going to put these Space Marines in here and anything with no AP, I'm just not going to die ever with my two-up yep. save. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I think that's the other key thing with cover. I, I will say the thing that I find probably most interesting as a change, and it's a little minute. Um, I brought it up earlier in our chat, but um, it's a little minute, and I'm real curious as to why. But now in the charge phase, it used to be when you charged, um, or when you piled in, or when you uh, consolidated, you had to move the only requirement was that it was closer to you ended the move closer to the nearest enemy model now there is an additional requirement that if you are able to you have to go base to base contact which is pretty big um in a very minute way and this is getting a little technical but we used to do a thing and our buddy chris the tiered player got so good at wrapping and trapping with his 40 million gene stealers and gods. <laughs> That's but... the reason I sold that special land raider Achilles I had. <laughs> so it used to be you could move closer with one, right? And then you'd take all the others and okay, that one moved closer. Great. And then they'd all move around. And then when they got to consolidate in, they got to go even closer, but by going closer, they would go farther around and fully get around all of the, enemy models or unit or whatever it was. And so that was a very, it was a very cool thing I thought. And I liked how that was in the system. So I'm curious about this change because it seems very minute and very technical, but it's going to, at the end of the day, have a pretty big impact, um, especially, especially for units that don't want to be in combat. And then when they get in combat, they're not going to be able to like, Oh no, no, I'm not going to pile in. I don't think <laughs> like, yeah, they're... I think it also, it, it also impacts like melee heavy armies, like blood angels, tyranids yeah. like, or demons. It's the fact that if you can't get within base to base contact and you, or the other, the other option for the, you know, the consolidation phase is uh, you have to move towards the closest objective, not necessarily the unit, the closest objective, but you have to end your consolidation move on the objective. And if you can't get with, like can't get on the objective, you don't move at all. And yeah. so I think that the big thing is it's going to be robbing uh, some of those armies of a free three inches of movement. And for me as a Tau player, that makes me happy. I'm like super ecstatic <laughs> that just, you know, playing the playing a demon player who just charges his blood letters in and just can do whatever he wants for an extra six inches because you get to pile in. Then you get to consolidate. That's six more inches of movement they, they just get for free and I can't do anything about. Now it's it's you have to pile in, which is fine. You have to you know get everything within base to base contact or close to, so you can fight everything. But after that, if you can't get within base to base contact of another unit, or you can't get within base to base or onto an objective marker, you just can't move. You're stuck there. Yeah, which is fine with me. Yeah, I was like, so I'm just going to be I'm going to be positioning all of my units about five five inches apart, and I don't have to worry about that stuff. So it's. <laughs> um, it wraps that up. Um, so moving on, like another little thing. So uh, command phase, the ba- you know morale is now battle shock. Uh, mm-hmm. Battle shock is going to happen in the command phase of either your or the opponent's command phase. Um, a lot of units, uh, data sheets and stuff have 
abilities that cause you to take a battle shock test like right then mm-hmm. and there and that's the only time you're going to take a battle shock action outside of that command phase but it's usually um if you've taken if you've taken or you're, you're below half strength and you're below starting yes. strength you should be taking battle shock actions and the leadership t- uh your leadership is now on the data sheet uh instead of like rolling low you want to roll high so like um, on 2d6 Space Marine. Yeah, on 2d6, Space Marines are like leadership 6, I believe, or leadership 7. And you roll 2d6, and the result has to be higher than that, and then you pass the Battleshock test, and then that's it. In previous editions, if you roll lower, or you roll like a, you roll high on your 1d6, and it's like beating your leadership, that you get like... Before, it was just another way to kill models, and that was it. Yeah, like, Morale really didn't mean that much, because like, oh no, one guy runs away. Like in ninth, I didn't, I didn't really care about leadership. Oh my, oh no, one of these crew runs away, and oh no, maybe one more runs away, but the unit's still there. It can still do everything it needs to. Now, with Battleshock, you can severely hamper that unit. They don't run away anymore. Instead, they usually have a, a minus one to hit, and they can know their OC, their objective control, uh, is moved to zero, so now they can no longer hold objectives, and that's the biggest impact. Is that all these battle shock tests that are going to happen throughout the game are going to severely impact um, a play? And if they're in uh, engagement range or base to base contact, and they try to fall back if they're battle shocked, they have to take what's called a desperate escape attempt, and you roll one d6 for each uh, model you're trying to pull back, and then on a one. Uh, it dies. A model dies. So that's similar one, to previous it's one or one. two. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was. I'll say, we sat here, and this can kind of get us on the other part. We sat here in January, and we talked about all the things that we wanted to see in the new edition. And I believe all of us, and I want to say, I think I brought up the no. I think we all brought up each of these. We wanted to see transports back in play. So I mm-hmm. think that's something we should talk about next. Cause I know transports are a thing. Now vehicles are back a thing and we wanted morale to actually matter. Yeah. And, and really morale has not been important for the last two editions. And I remember very distinctly in eighth edition, I was playing Mike and the, I was, it was like, he was just dominating me in this game. And I literally had to sh- like one of my cards I drew for my objectives was like a unit has to fail a morale test. And Mike was just like, oh, so that would give you like one victory point to my 10. Well, I'm just going to spend a CP and just auto pass. So whatever. And it was just like, oh, well, that feels bad. (laughs) That feels bad. And uh, and ever since then, I've been angry that morale just has no like it just doesn't matter. Um, It was like a core mechanic for some armies like. Drukhari and like Night Lords. Night Lords. Well, yeah. Night Lords aren't a thing anymore. Um, so Yeah. Um well the, the unit card might be. Maybe. And that's something I wanted to rebuttal slightly on what Matthew was talking about with getting root rid of sub factions and like what we saw with the Space Marine um preview the other day was that detachments is are where you're gonna get these flavor injections, so mm-hmm. to speak. <laughs> But I don't <laughs> know if town injection. <laughs> it's got Guy Ferrari going on over here. Um, I don't know if either of you, uh, Reader Mike, played any of the earlier editions past um, before eighth, just but, seventh, just okay, seventh. seventh. The, ta- the tail end of seventh. That's what I got in. Okay. Well, back when Matt started, 
There back in my day. Couple, back, back in my, in my day. day when Matthew's back actually functioned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <you bet. laughs> they they had some faction specific codexes like Black Templars and such, but there wasn't a lot of like flavor like in terms of like making your guys have like special rules like you know ultramarines and such like like stuff like that. It was really a, came down to you forging that narrative, so to speak, um, by painting your guys and making the story in your head. So while we did, we are actively losing that from ninth and eighth. It's been done before and people, you know, got by just fine. Um, yep. And, and, my, and we'll, we'll see what these codexes, what we can, what, how many detachments they're going to include, whether there's like, you know, for orcs, if there's one that like really speaks to goths, which is honestly the, the one that's going to come in the index. But like, you're going to get your speed freak one. You're going to get your, I don't know, sneaky one for commandos or something. But sneaky well, I mean, gets. Yeah, we'll have to come. We'll have to see. Um, but like at one point he Matt made and I, I agree with him is it is a little feels bad for like Tau, for example. Right now we're going to have what Kayun. That's it. Yeah, it's not even a sept. It's just more of a yeah. master so of war ability. I imagine the other one's going to be Monka. And then yep. what are you going to have? The next one is like the Crute Carnivore Feast. Like, <laughs> Well, and, and like, so Birdman go was, rar. Yeah. My, my thing was they brought in sub-factions in 8th edition. And suddenly those, you, you know, when you painted your army a certain way, now you could play it a certain way. Yeah. And and I and I thought that was great and like relics and warlord traits and you could really like customize things and we've lost all of that. And what it feels like is to me at least. And we're getting a little off topic, but it feels like it was like, hey, there's these problems with ninth edition and we should fix them. And they were like, yep, we should fix. You know, it's it's, it's like it's kind of like if I brought my car in and was like, yeah, it's making a weird noise. And they're like, well, we took off one of the tires. And they're like, well, I, I, I liked having all four tires on. They were like, well, we took it off because that guy over there who uh, drives rally cars <laughs> says, you don't need this. It was weighing you down. You don't need this tire. And the I'm guy like, with well, the like sidewinder. <laughs> yeah. And like, I, don't, I don't, I wanted the tire. And he's like, no, no, no. The, the guys who race, they said no more tires. Too many tires was making their heads yeah. hurt. Or, or they ruined it. They were doing too well. With all these tires, so we took off a tire. Yep, and now everyone <laughs> races on three tires. Well, I just drive to work. Nope, three tires. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. uh, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about um, how's everyone feeling about like bringing their big stuff to the table again um, instead of just my four hundred guardsmen will will eat your warhound uh, with my I... volume of shots. I have always been a proponent of big things. Like I said, I have three storm surges, and on Sunday I am taking those three storm surges out on the table again. You're my um, hero. Yeah, Hell I'm yeah. here for all those staff players out there. Uh, yeah, I I'm a fan of them. You know, it's if you don't if you weren't tracking in tenth edition, they are increasing the toughness values uh, across the board. So before in ninth edition, it was really just toughness three, all the way to usually toughness eight. T eight was the the most you usually see Did we lose a couple him? units. Uh oh, can you hear me? You're back. Um, all right. Toughness three. Uh, <laughs> toughness three all the way to to toughness eight was the usual. There's a couple of toughness nine stuff like land land raiders, but I mean that was the spectrum. Now they're increasing it to upwards of like, I was like what the most I've seen is like T sixteen or toughness sixteen. 
um, which is really going to, I mean, it's going to increase the spectrum when you have like anti-tank weapons, you see them like the Tau railguns, toughness 20, and you're going to look at that and be like, well, what, what's the point of increasing the toughness if you're just going to increase the strength? What it does is it adds more variety and uh, allows granularity. granularity. Thank you. Thank you. And allows those infantry weapons to focus on just infantry and then allows the anti-tank weapons to, well, I mean, they could kill an infantry, but you're going to waste that shot because uh, they're also reducing the number of shots for the anti-tank weapons to have more impact uh, for the anti-tank. Yeah, I would say now you actually have weapons that are anti-heavy infantry. It's not a both vehicle and heavy infantry. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, so I, I like that as a tactical. You have to decide. You know, it's great if... <clears throat> I mean, and we're still we're still dealing, and I think this is one of the best things they ever did in eighth edition and stuff was like one last cannon shot will kill one infantry dude or an entire vehicle. Like you get to choose. So like the guys who bring all you know, oops, all las cannons. Um, you know that might be fun, but in this new edition, that not it's a, that might not work out for you, man. <laughs> like if you if you skew, if you skew too hard. Like it might not work out for you. Um, additionally, I don't know. I don't know if you could only bring last cannons. Well, in that doubles thing. tournament um, that Steven and I did, one guy brought just about only multi meltas. So you oh, can God, at least yeah. get a thousand points of multi meltas. So <laughs> I'm also, because you brought up the big heavy stuff, I'm going to take this opportunity to poo poo a little bit. Usually I'm the happy and optimistic one, but I'm, not looking good with the death card right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little my, A good example is my Myphitic Blight Haulers, which are should be equivalent of like a light tank, like a rhino, with anti-tank weapons. That is like their whole shtick, and that they like stink. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and that they smell like shit. <laughs> so, that like, they still have the same weapons, great. A multi-melta, sounds great. Missile launcher sounds great. The highest strength attack they have between the two of those is strength nine. Now they get plus one to wound on plus one on the old as just a, a rule when they attack vehicles or monsters that just get, um, oh, excuse me, just vehicles, not monsters. Great. They get plus one to wound, but it's like I strength nine, even with plus one to wound, I, it's not great when like a lot of these big most of the time. Yeah, a lot of these tanks are strength ten to twelve, and yeah, the super yeah, heavy is sixteen. Like, yeah, it's like a predator is strength ten. Yeah, that, and so it's it. like my like anti tank light vehicles are okay, <laughs> not even yeah, I guess, like I good. Guess that'll be a real struggle for like I mean, really, all all of your armies except for Black Legion <laughs> are your like you are going to struggle with anti tank because. I don't know if you have any anti-tank at this point. Like and other I, than so if you I, buy predators, I don't even think. Uh, do they get to use predators? I can take predators, yes, but they're still las cannons. I guess I could take the predator auto cannon, but I doubt it's better than taking the four las cannons yeah. if I'm looking at anti-tank. No. And, and this is me just boo-booing a little bit because I'm sad about my army. Um, and. I can't, I can't even be like, oh, but when I see more data sheets, because at this point, I now have the core rules and like 90% of my data sheets. Yeah, so but it is a stream just, and you guys got a lot like. Yeah, like and a Plague Burst Crawler, which Death Guard, 
tank, my Death Guard big main battle tank. In 9th edition, 8th edition, it was T8. It was the highest toughness it could be with some way to reduce damage or feel no pain or something like that, right? They were beefy. They weren't... I I would argue that they were, generally speaking, well-balanced with how beefy way they were to how killy they were. It was hard to shove a Plague Burst Crawler. You had to really focus on it, no matter what you used. But now they're only toughness 10. Like, what? Like, my big, super beefy tank is only toughness 10? With a 5-up invuln and no way to reduce damage inbuilt or anything like that. No, so, that, that, that's not right, Mike. If you're in combat, you yeah. spend 2 CP to reduce <laughs> damage by 1. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think this is a great segue. So uh, we're going to go in and let's start talking about uh, the factions. So we're going <laughs> to start your from the top. faction focus. <laughs> So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll skim over them later. So we'll, we'll go ahead and start. Um, so Steven, give us a brief overview of space Marines. What are we, what are we looking like in the new edition, at least while we've got indexes and, and please everyone know that we're, we're talking with only the index previews and what we've seen. So we don't have the full story yet. Things could change very, very easily. Um, and we'll make some comments at the very end. We'll rank them, and then we'll hop into our uh, our final segment there. But let's let's start with you know Space Marines, Steve. What are Space Marines bringing to the fight? So in the indexes, well, it's looking like they're really playing into the whole you know decapitation strike that the Space Marines are known for with their Luper Cow. With the Oath of Moment, is that what we're yeah. looking for? Yeah, it's the Oath of Moment. So. Choose one, and that one gets removed per turn. Yep. So uh, you choose a unit, <laughs> it disappears. You get to was it full rerolls? It's full reroll and... to hit and wound. Yep. So Space Marines, you 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 pick that detachment. You get Oath of Moment. Yeah. Every command phase, right? You pick a unit. Yeah, he gets to yeah. So I think it's pretty thematic. I think it plays into their elite nature as the Imperium's like shock troops. Um, the detachment they're getting has combat doctrine, which, you know, sounds sort of familiar to what we've been knowing uh, with, you know, the devastator, devastator doctrine, tactical doctrine, and assault doctrine. The, what they do is different. It's not just a buff to AP. Um, the, so, for example, the devastator doctrine, it's going to allow a unit to shoot in a turn in which it advanced. So, I mean, I mean, that sounds pretty good for most armies. And I wouldn't say just like heavy, devastating type armies. Um, tactical is going to be they can shoot and declare a charge in a turn in which they fell back. So that's your ultramarines, basically. Yep. <laughs> and finally, assault doctrine is a unit can declare a charge after they advanced. So there's a lot of flexibility right there. Um, between the detachment rule and the army rule, you're going to be able to be taking care of one unit pretty much per turn. Um, in an addition that's not known apparently for its lethality, they sound pretty lethal. Um, (laughs) and it sounds pretty uh, space Marine. A lot of people start out the hobby with space Marines. This is out of all the faction rules we've read is probably the most space, you know, straightforward. You know, you, yeah. your guys get better in each, yep. each, each phase, mm-hmm. you know, each turn, your guys get better. And 
every turn you start off, you pick an enemy unit and you get to do rerolls and hits against it with your entire army. Boom, done. Like that's super straightforward. Yeah, I would say I would it's say... important to know that it, too. That it's not. It's the biggest difference is it doesn't automatically advance anymore. You get to pick each doctrine once. You can pick them in any order on any turn, but you only get to pick it right. once. So I think that goes back to that simplified or simple, mm-hmm. simplified, not simple thing again, where it's like, okay, you don't have to worry. Do I push? Do I, it's just like, it's, it's that tactical. I am the general on the battlefield. It feels very space Marine thematic tactical. Like yeah. this turn we're going tactical next turn. Nope. I'm not doing anything. Then this turn we're doing assault. And then, Oh, everybody's running array. I'm going to switch to devastator. Like that flexibility is really cool and not something that we saw with the doctrines before i think that's the one thing that's going to get a lot of like players who are just transitioning from ninth eighth ninth into tenth is that that detachment rule is only active for that one phase that you are uh, that one turn you activate it's just mm-hmm. until your next command phase so if you don't declare if you go devastator doctrine turn one and then you don't declare us you know it doesn't keep going until you're like all right i'm gonna transition now into tactical doctrine like it yeah, does like it's just it. yeah it's in yeah. ninth right and yeah in ninth right now you can just keep going into demonstrator all game no problem now it's only one turn and then you have to pick when you go to your next turn it's like yes yeah. once again it provides you a lot of flexibility but it's only active for three turns out of the game yeah so it's pretty straightforward pretty good does not seem like it's broken anything, but it seems like it's it's going to be a pretty strong rule. So with that being said, um, Mike, since you uh, are probably the victim to these this army the most, uh, why don't you walk us through what Tyranids are getting in this next edition? Yeah, so their big uh, army rule is still Synapse, which is, you know, it makes sense. It's very thematic. It's what they've always been. Um, and it's just, if you are essentially if a, a unit that, is not a synapse model is within six inches of a synapse model, then it gets to roll three D six instead of two D six on its leadership stuff, which I think is a very, very good adjustment. It used to just be, they didn't have to worry about leadership period while in synapse. And now they still have to worry about it, but they're also very rarely going to fail on three D six. So it's just, it adds a little bit layer of, you can still essentially roll that critical one on those battle shock tests, which is, I think a very important, Yes, yeah. 100%. Adjustment. Um, yep. And then their uh, other big army rule is uh, Shadow in the Warp, which used to be this just if you... So big. I, oh I think this is so cool. It used to just be if you were within like 18, 24, 18, 24 inches of a Tyranid big baddie, minus one to psychic abilities. Um, but with those not being a thing anymore, they had, had to adjust it. And now instead... Um, in a command phase, either player's command phase, once per game, you can just <laughs> blow up the battlefield with some sort of psychic nonsense, and uh, you can unleash the shadow and the warp. Every enemy unit on the battlefield takes a battle shock test. Period. That's so <laughs> huge. It's, yeah, so it's, huge. it's good. I think that's, that's gonna so be, cool. That's going to be the end of the game. You're going to, like people are barely holding on and you're like, okay, well I'm going, you know, maybe, maybe it's, you know, that last turn is who's going to pull out some of, you know, points or something. And you're going to be like, well, I'm going to battle shock all your guys. And if you fail like one of these, then I win the game because I've got more objectives than you. at that. Yeah. Point. Suddenly you're not controlling an objective because all your OC goes to yeah. zero. Like that's, it's, it's really cool. 
And once again, it's once per battle. It's very tactical and like you got to use that at the right time, which I think is that that kind of cool junction of it's simple. It's once per game. It's easy. Everybody take a battle shock test. But when you use it is the is the difficult decision. Yeah, 100 percent. You can use it late game or you can use it in the middle of the game or beginning. So uh, if you're playing, you know, someone who's, you know, gets first turn and you have to go second, and they're going to rush the board and just hold all the objectives like in the mid-board. Like, all right, go ahead, take your Battleshock test right now, and if they fail, like, oh no, all these mid-board objectives you're trying to get are now worthless to you, and I'm just going to swoop in real quick and kill them, because now you're minus one to hit as well uh, in any melee until the next command phase. So, like... Yeah, it's it's really good, and I I think that's a, a real good thing um so uh once again tyranids looking really good real straightforward and they're getting a lot of great new models so many Um, new models we've we've talked about how great those models look in previous episodes um but very excited for the tyranid range um and very exciting time to be a tyranid player i think going on to the next one reed why don't you walk us through what the tau are going to be doing in this next edition of course uh so the tau they got i would say i mean i had to stew on this one for a little while as a major tau player who just loves the faction so much and plays it all the time um once again they got cut down a little bit but their army rule is for the greater good which essentially is just the marker light. Um, this one is one of the first rule sets that I saw. I'm like, this is really, really wordy and needs some clarification like day one mm-hmm. on use of it. Um, but it looks like uh, it's a, it's, it is the mark. It's a new version of the marker lights. Uh, it is. So in your shooting phase, you can select, they work in pairs. Um, you have a, a <laughs> excluding fortifications, but, or battle shocked units, they have uh, observer units, then you have guided units, and you have spotted units. Your guided unit or your uh, observer units uh, can select one enemy uh, enemy unit that's visible to them, and then you have a guided unit that can also see that that same enemy unit, uh, and now that and it becomes the guided unit. That guided unit gets plus one to the ballistic skill. The observer unit doesn't get any bonuses, but it can still shoot somewhere else, but it observes that one target. The guided unit can shoot its guided target and get plus one to its ballistic skill. And if it tries to shoot a unit outside of its guided target, like if you're split firing between like a unit, one unit that's guided and another unit that's not guided, you are minus one to your ballistic skill. So you go from shooting on three up to the guide unit to shooting on a five up to the non-guided unit. So it's really encouraging you to work in pairs and like kind of, it's going to take a lot of positioning and a lot of practice to get your observer and your guided units together. And it also, it's kind of your army rule plays into your opponent. Your opponent can position very well to where things can only be seen by one unit and that's going to hamper your abilities. But um, if your observer unit has the marker light keyword, like a marker drone or pathfinders who have marker lights on them, uh, that guide unit, when it shoots, can ignore cover. And that's gonna be big on that's gonna be big when it comes to cover saves. And then the detachment rule. Um, I personally was hoping that, that the each SEP was gonna become the detachments. You'd have like a tau SEP that was kinda gonna become a detachment. But this this one is uh, our Master of War ability, which is Kao Yun. From the third battle round on, third, fourth, and fifth battle round, 
Uh, all ranged weapons by the Tau Empire models have a sustained hit ability of one. And if it's guided, which once again plays into the army rule, uh, it's sustained hits of two. So sixes to hit become two additional hits. Uh, the good thing about this Kaiyun compared to the 9th edition Kaiyun is the Kaiyun in 9th edition is based on uh, distance. So it's within 12 inches and it has to be the closest model. Um, now it doesn't matter on distance. So it's it's got more versatility there. And I was doing some math objectively. Kaiyun right now in 10th edition is going to be better than t- uh, 9th edition Kaiyun in turns 9 or turns uh and turns three and it turns four uh the 13th inning yeah uh, <laughs> uh turns turns three and turns four this 10th edition calune is better because you're just getting exploding hits especially if you're guided two additional hits but uh comparatively ninth edition calune is better than turn five because in turn five calune uh in ninth edition it was fours fives or sixes caused additional hits you were just getting more but more often than like every game I've played, the game is already over by t- turn five. I, I never really got to use turn five Calhoun in ninth edition because I was just either winning or losing. It was just that was it. Um, so I am I'm okay with this. It's it's obviously less bonuses and less rules than what ninth edition is. Um, but I've I've calmed down since my initial reaction. I do think this is okay. Um, I think I, I think what you and I have discussed, Reed, is that the the, the problem that Tower is going to face is that uh, with Karyun is that especially with since changing shield drones to no longer do a four up invuln and it's just an an extra wound, you're losing a lot of survivability in the range mm-hmm. that didn't you're have right. to be yeah, with. and that that's and so big surviving thing. to that bonus is going to be a big thing while still being active on the battlefield. Um, I think Tau has just become a a like high skill bar army to succeed in. Um, with that being said, going into um, the complete opposite of that, we have Steven talking about the Oryx. Okay. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I'm really excited about the new Orc. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know, you everyone knows it. Everyone loves it. It's Wah. And... Ah! <laughs> My God, five plus invulnerable <laughs> save when you call this. Being able to charge after you advanced and plus one strength and attack to your characteristics sounds delightful to me. It sounds like the old orcs are back. <laughs> I don't have to do this nonsense speed wall or just regular wall. I mean, it's perfect. I'm really excited. And it's just for all orcs in the army faction. So, I mean, that's. Everyone's going to have the orc keyword. So that's going to be great. And then the detachment rule is going to be get stuck in. And we're going to get sustained hits one. So exploding sixes with extra attacks. Oh, and So this is really just reminds me of um, when Matt and I used to play in Argentina. And we were just like, all right, uh, I got 30 boys. I'm now going to roll 120 dice. And I'm going to be wounding you on threes. Yep. <laughs> Good I mean, luck. That's, that's really the thing is like the moment, like I think you're going to have to, if you're, if orcs become a big thing, your chaff is going to be just like, you know, we salute those of you about to die. We salute you. <laughs> like I brought, you know, I brought the hammerfall bunker to, to block the path of the green tide while I keep shooting at it. 
uh, which will probably see the you know that thing get bought for the first time. Um, <laughs> so orcs once again, super straightforward. Yeah. And one thing I noticed is uh, they got an upgraded save. It's no longer just a t-shirt save. We got five plus saves now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Look at you guys. So that yeah, just back to the whole everything's a little bit tougher. That includes orc boys. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited. Uh, Which makes well. sense because they're supposed to be able to like rip the arms off a of space marine, but like they're also like tissue paper. Like <laughs> they were also wear like <laughs> they guys got some cardboard to wear now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's gone from cloth to cardboard. I like that. Um, all right, so Mike, uh, speaking of vile Xenos, um, <laughs> let's talk about some Eldar space elves. The space elves of all Crash space elves. Worlds. Yeah, so they're they kept strands of fate, um, which is, um, and it's, I I honestly don't remember the ninth edition Eldar. I never played it, <laughs> but the I remember reading strands of fate where you get to essentially roll and you create this fate dice pool of pre-rolled dice that you can exchange at any time, and so that's back. It's at the start of the battle. You just roll twelve d six and you keep them all, and then. Uh, at any point in the game, you can substitute um, a dice roll with one of those strands of fate dice. So you can do advance rolls, battle shock test, charge rolls, damage rolls, hit rolls, saving throws, or wound rolls. And you're just, instead of whatever I was going to do, um, I'm just going to take this value, um, which is cool. It It's once again that flexibility of being like super tactical, like this is the time when I need to plug in a six. <laughs> I need it <laughs> to make this charge. Or like, oh, this doesn't matter. Or like, oh, I want these guys to roll low on this test. Here's a one. You know what I mean? You can use it when you want it or when you need it. Um, and then their detachment ability that was previewed is that um, unparalleled foresight, which is, I forget, this was just one of their like things you could, master crafters, I think is what it was. Uh, they're old. Um, custom craft world and it is each time an Eldar unit from your army is selected to shoot or fight you can re-roll one hit roll and one rune roll um, which is I think at this point classic Eldar I can say confidently um, and then it, it just kind of fits with the strands of fate um, in that like slight adjustments but not major re-rolls it's not space marines with all this like supporting fire and all this kind of stuff it is slight adjustments to fate and dice rolls um, which will provide the you know person playing them a lot of unique flexibility. I also would like to highlight, just because this is, I think, one of the first instances where we've seen it, a stratagem that no longer exists because it is rolled into the profile. Oh, so, the fire and flight fade? No, linked fire. Um, fire yeah, prisms, really the tanks. Um, or they're, they're, they're the anti-tank tanks, right? They got these super guns. Um, and it used to be a stratagem where you could fire all of the shots from three tanks from one tank, as long as the three tanks could see each other. And now instead of a stratagem and doing that, it's just when you go to try and shoot something with the fire prism, you can measure range and visibility from any other friendly fire prism that you can see. And that's just period all the time. No questions asked, no CP. So it's just a good example of that stratagem isn't a stratagem anymore. It's just built into the unit. So do you feel like they've captured the Eldar's um, ability um, to essentially do the 
really tough. Um, let's see. Like, uh, do you think they've captured the aspect warrior and the, the, the kind of scariness of the Eldar in this edition? I, so the problem is I don't, I personally haven't seen enough of the aspect warrior specifically. Um, and I think that's that's what's going to be hard to tell. The, I think they have captured the shenanigans so far. I think that has been captured with the fate dice with the way that psychic abilities are still built in. Um, but I can't, I'm what I haven't seen is Wraith. That's one thing I'm very curious about because I one own a lot of Wraith models and two, I think they're the coolest thing about the Eldar, but (laughs) you can take uh, agreed. You can take a Wraith Titan now. It's pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I uh, I have uh, I think every wraith besides that one and the psychic one and I really want the psychic one, but now I may not because Forge World. So <laughs> we'll see about all that. But yeah, that uh, I think they captured the shenanigans. I don't know if they've captured the glass cannonness that That's kind funny. of was Eldar. So something we'll be watching for is is do yeah. Eldar maintain the glass cannonness? But we can see that they've already got the shenanigans going, which is always good. And speaking of shenanigans, um, Reed, let's talk about some custodies. Yes, um, aren't they like so, the most anti shenanigan thing ever? Literally ever. They're so anti. They're so anti shenanigans that they are shenanigans incarnate. <laughs> <laughs> so. Their big thing now is it's the same as ninth edition. They're martial katas. Uh, there are two less than there is in ninth edition, and it looks like the big focus for custodians is shifting from kind of an all arounders. Where in ninth edition you had two shooting katas you could pick, usually for turn one or turn two, to like just put out extra shots to kind of like bleed away some enemy models. Now all three of the katas you have available are is the uh, Capatris stance, which is each time a melee attack targets this unit, subtract one from the hit roll. So minus one to hit in melee against your guys. The Decatari stance, which is melee weapons equipped by models in this unit have sustained hits, one ability, so good against hordes. Uh, and the, the Rindak stance, which is melee weapons equipped by models in this unit have the lethal hits ability. So once again, that is uh, hit rolls of six. Um but that's at the start of the fight phase, and it's active until the end, the beginning of your next fight phase. So once again, it's not a command phase ability anymore like it used to be in Ninth Edition. Now it's in the start of the fight phase. Uh, so a little change there. Um, and then the detachment rule is Adeptus Custodes models from your army have the feel no pain four up ability against mortal wounds. So all those devastating wounds, lethal hits abilities, mm-hmm. anything that goes into like all the psychic stuff, all the stuff that transitions into mortal wounds, they're just going to have a four up feel no pain against it. And that's going to help uh, ensure they have some more survivability. Um, and then their big thing is the toughness has also been upgraded. So two up saves are still a thing, but now they're teeth like, well, Trajan has gone up from T5 to T6, and then Alara's Custodians, I love them to death, um, are now T7, which is bananas. Uh, and then they've got their Deep Strike ability still, but then they also have re-roll the wound roll against characters, monsters, and vehicles, um, which is great. <laughs> every, um, everything. Yeah. Everything but chaff uh, that I didn't yeah. need help killing. So <laughs> Thanks. Great. I was like, I think they're 
you know, I think they're sitting pretty well. And also they got a reprieve from the Forge World cuts. They specifically said knights and custodies can still use their Forge World models in competitive mm-hmm. play. So wham, wham, good wham. good good for them. Which is fine, which is that's like that's like half the line if you cut Forge <laughs> that's World fair. from sure. Custodies. That's fair. Uh and speaking of uh, a line that is full of chaff. Stephen, tell us <laughs> of the mighty Astra Militarum. These segues the are just getting better and better. So <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> You're looking at like 15 um, more. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I drank my adult beverage over here, and it's late where we are. So he's on a roll. I'm. Uh, I got to keep it going, or else eventually I'm just going to be kind of sunk back in this line. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the voice of command returns uh, now. Okay, so one of you has to remind me if you needed to take a leadership test of some sort to issue commands in ninth. I don't no. think so. Nope. Yeah, nope. no. You just point it and do it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You just okay. shout and it, it works. went off. Yep. <laughs> you, let it out. you just shout and you oh. shout and you let it all out. The last time I played a game, you had to do a leadership test or something like that. So it's changed apparently. Well, that continues with this edition. Um, and you have six orders that you can issue with your officer units and you they will be able to choose a unit that will be delineated in their profile it sounds like you might have your tank commander still and your regular infantry commanders but to start off the six we have we have move 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 which is just add flat three inches to their move characteristics which seems pretty nice fix bayonets increase the weapon skill by one for the melee weapons. Take aim, improve the ballistic skill characteristics of ranged weapons by one, which is, you know, sounds like what the guard really actually wants to be doing. Yeah. First rank fire, second rank fire, improve the attacks characteristics of rapid fire weapons, i.e. las guns by one. And take cover, improve the save characteristics of this of models in this unit by one, which can't be improved better than a three. And finally, and I think potentially the best one, duty and honor improve the leadership and objective control characteristics of models in this unit by one. I don't know what, considering Katie and shock troops are OC two. What do you gentlemen think adding yeah. one more to that does? Well, and so turn one, you move, move, move. Now you're on an objective that was much farther away than you should have been able to get to. And then turn two, mm-hmm. when you, you don't have to contest it, take aim, or first rank fire, second rank fire, to delete some enemies coming at you, and then third turn, okay, you're in combat, duty and honor, I still own this. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. there's a cool kind of progression that you can see in the orders that really feeds into it, and I, I just think it's really cool. And I think that, I like that they're not just 10 dudes that you had to take. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I think there's a lot of utility there and we'll have to see which units can receive those orders. But, uh, one thing I personally really enjoyed and it's not a very big thing. Um, I mean, the vehicle's a very big thing. The Bane blade can <laughs> <laughs> provide cover blade. to your infantry. That is yeah. huge. So now I, I, all I can imagine is seeing like three Bane blades rolling up the field with squads of, infantry behind him and just like rule Britannia playing in the background. 
the Bane Blades are so big, you could probably just hide a full squad of 10 directly behind it, and they couldn't be even shot because of visibility. Yep. I yep. mean, I think what you're going to see is people turning their Bane Blades sideways and, like, crab-walking <laughs> them across the table to provide maximum cover. The new, the new electric Hummer crab-walk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, like, or it just, like, oh, God, the orcs are coming, like... Use the Bane Blade to choke an avenue. Circle the wagons. <laughs> yep. Um, and speaking of wagons, um, orcs again. All right. So, <laughs> so, uh, so Mike, hit us with uh, Thousand Sons. Only once you explain to me what wagons they have wheels. They have wheels they fly around on. There, I made the connection. Do it. Okay, fair. So the cabal <laughs> point system is back. Um the okay, uh, how did how did the cabal system get maintained but sub factions didn't? They were like, you know it'd be great. We get, everyone's complaining about the cabal system, so we're gonna keep it. But Imperial Fists, bye. <laughs> and Valrak shrieked in horror. <laughs> well, I mean, he would have shrieked no matter what they said, to be fair. <laughs> um, He's a great person. He, uh, well, so the Cabal points are back. <laughs> it's just whatever the data sheet says, you get that many points, which I think is so much easier than me having to try and calculate it off that stupid table that I couldn't understand. Yeah. So it's much easier just to like add up my data sheets. Um, and then there's a list of rituals that you can use during a, a battle round. And every round you will generate cabal points based on what you have on the field, um, which is important to note because if things are in deep strike in transports, you're not going to get them. Um, and you can only use a, it's like stratagems. You can only use a ritual once per phase, which makes sense. Um, and so a lot, the rituals are, some of a little bit of utility and then also a little bit of damage. Uh, Doombolt, very strong, seven cabal points. And it's, you just pick a unit within 18 inches during your shooting phase. And they take on a one, you roll a D six and it's either they take D three mortal wounds on a one D three plus three mortal wounds on a two to a five or on a six, it's D three plus six mortal wounds. Like that is some massive damage output. Yeah. Which makes me feel better about the fact that I can't do a whole bunch of damage during a psychic phase that no longer exists. Um, but then they've got things like Weaver of Fates, um, which you use at any phase. And for that phase, when a saving throw is failed for a friendly Thousand Suns model within 18 inches of the psyker who uses the ritual, you can reroll that saving throw. So really strong. It's like a one, it's like a big reroll saves aura, um, which is not something that they used to have. So it's nice that like, the utility is different, but it's still there. There's still buffs. There's still damage. Um, there's still things that let you do a normal move um, when you're in engagement range, which is huge because um, then you can still shoot. So like there's a lot of really cool utility and damage that still exists for Thousand Sons, a Psyker army without the Psychic Phase. And that's because of the ritual system. So I think that's really cool. Um, and then their uh, detachment rule, Cult of Magic. So this is once again going back to that Tau set thing where I, I th if every all nine of the cults get a detachment, like cool, we're good, <laughs> like that's that's great. Um, but for cult of magic, um, you just get to select one of three things and you just get it for the until your next command phase and you just pick one every turn essentially, and it's either going to give your psychic weapons lethal hits, so I hit you harder, or it's going to give them sustained hits, so I hit you more. 
or devastating wounds, so I do mortal wounds. Um, and so it's just, you're buffing all your psychic weapons, which just about everybody's going to have, <laughs> except for your infernal bolt guns. So it's just really nice in both melee and a little bit in shooting, because a lot of people are going to have psychic attacks as well. Um, so they look good. I still like that they're, of all of the psychic heavy armies, I think they came out on top as far as transition without a psychic phase. So I'm very excited about the boys in blue. Uh, much more excited about the boys in blue than the boys in green. Wham, wham. So. <laughs> the boys in snot. Um, <laughs> yeah, snot green. And uh, so going to um, boys and in blue. Back to the orcs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's always going to be the orcs. Um, Reed, can you tell us anything about the minor space marine chapters or the divergent space marine chapters yeah um so the smells the, like heresy chapters yeah the ones that you know divulge <laughs> from the codex of Stardis and kind of do their own thing so they released a teaser and they kind of gave the detachment rule so they still get oath of moment that is um the army rule for the space marines as a whole so they're still going to be picking one unit across on the enemy team and just deleting it every turn so five units are just going to get deleted every from your from your army every turn or uh, per game so for dark angels they have grim resolve which i think this is probably one of the best detachment rules that Mm -hmm. have been previewed in in entirety uh adeptus astartes unit from your army is battle shocked change the objective control characteristics of that model to a one instead of zero so if your units are failing Battleshock, because once again, there are so many abilities and um, things that make you take a Battleshock test in the game now, instead of a zero and they can't hold objectives, they're now going to be able to hold the objectives. So like that is just a huge bonus to just all of Dark Angels. Just the detachment pretty much all, I mean, they still get the effect of like minus one to their hits and stuff like that. But like when it comes to controlling objectives, they just are immune to uh, getting taken off of it. That's like it's like uh, that's huge. Um, <laughs> Lionel Johnson. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and say that the the rules for ninth edition were not that great. Yeah, but I'm gonna say he was tired. He was very weary from waking up. <laughs> just long just woke up. <laughs> just and he he found the power button on the Emperor's shield. And I just want to point out the like just that one ability, the Emperor's shield. Each time an attack targets this model, subtract one from the wound roll. In addition, each time a melee attack is allocated to this model on an unmodified saving throw of six, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound after it has finished making its attacks. Like, just, that is such a good ability. I hope the points match that, like, I hope the points match it. He's got a three up and vulnerable save. Three up in vulnerable and ten wounds. Yeah, and he's toughness nine. Like, that that guy (laughs) is going to be a tough guy to kill. Um... Going on to the Space Wolves, they have a pretty very fluffy detachment role, and I'm very happy about it. Um, Deeds worthy of Saga, the champion of Rus. So uh, at the end of the battle round, you select one of the sagas listed below. If uh, that saga was completed by your army during that battle round, all the models from your army gain the associated benefit at the end of the battle. Until the end of the battle, sorry. So if you activate it turn one or turn two, it's active all the way through. But you have to pick which one of these three different um, or each one of these different four you want to activate and hopefully you achieve it during that turn. Otherwise you don't get it, but you have the first one is saga of the warrior born. 
Uh, saga is completed when the character model from your army is destroyed one or more enemy characters during the battle round. So you just gotta, your character's got to kill their character. Uh, benefit once completed, many weapons equipped by your models of your army have the sustained hits one ability, so exploding sixes. Saga of Majesty is the next one. So if you controlled one or more objective markers in your opponent's deployment zone at the end of either player's turn during the battle round, uh, and one or more object, uh, Adeptus Astartes characters from their army or within range of that objective marker. So your character's just got to be on the objective marker that you took from your opponent. And then you improve the objective control characteristics by uh, Astartes models from your army by one. So once Gosh. again, you're just going to hold every objective that you're going to touch. Um, yep. Saga of the Bear uh, is complete. Is completed if one or more object, uh, Adeptus Astartes model or characters from your army are reduced to below half of their starting number of wounds during the battle round, but were not destroyed at the end of the battle round. And if that happens, Adeptus Astartes models from your army have a feel no pain of six up. That is but so I can't good as get well. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, your character has to survive. So if, if you had selected that, Eyes, eyes, my as my opponent. I'm just not going to shoot at any of your characters for that round. But you, which but also you pick it at the end of a round, not at the beginning. Right. So, exactly. <laughs> oh, if I just don't shoot any of his characters all game, he'll never get that ability. But um, if you shoot a unit, <laughs> but a character is just like is rolling in. through your, <laughs> your <laughs> but if you put one on. Like these just go so well together because turn two, I'm going to deep strike a Terminator captain with a bunch of Wolven or Terminators or whatever onto an objective in your deployment zone. And then you're going to shoot it because you can't let me keep it. And then he's going to survive because I'm going to allocate the last shooting attack (laughs) of that turn to the leader instead of one of the dudes in the unit. I just, I feel like, yes, it is difficult but i think it's super doable to give your whole yeah. army a six up field of pain meanwhile yeah. the death guard don't <laughs> uh the last Look, one Mike, is the just because that's the one thing your army had continuously doesn't mean you should have it <laughs> i'm not mad that i don't have it i'm mad that other people have it and yeah. i don't have it <laughs> yeah saga of the beast slayer which is uh one more character model from your army is destroyed one or more enemy monster or vehicle during the battle round the benefit once completed is melee weapons equipped by Adeptus Astartes have the lethal hits ability. So once again, that's sixes to hit, um, which is also powerful. Um, Blood Angels is the Red Thirst. Each time Adeptus Astartes unit from your army is selected to fight, if the unit has made a charge move this turn until the end of the phase, add one to the strength and attack characteristics of melee weapons equipped by models of that unit. And then they, they, they show Gabriel Seth, who is... Oh, he looks gonna, fantastic. Gonna have <laughs> Mason, who's already base six attacks, so now going to seven, strength eight, now going to strength nine. And then his ability is... Each time this model fights until the fight is resolved, add one to the attack characteristics of this uh, model's Blood Reaver for every five models within six inches of this model. Um, so if you're 
just charging into chaff like you know a squad of guardsmen or gene stealers or what have you you're just adding more attacks to him and he's going to kill a lot then you have so black templars whenever you charge gabriel seth into a squad of like 80 gene stealer cults <laughs> you need a shotgun <laughs> red, red bull and pre-workout like from the cam and then just be like <laughs> and just start screaming as you roll dice and you'll literally be more lore accurate than anything in this edition. <laughs> uh, then you have the uh, the Black Templars, Righteous Crusaders, which once again I think is also an amazing, powerful ability. Detachment rule Templar vows at the start of the first battle round. Select one of the four Templar vows to be active for the Adeptus Astartes units in your army until the end of the battle. So once again, it's flexibility. My big thing is flexibility. This this is a list of four things that are super flexible so suffer not the unclean to live melee weapons equipped by this model in this unit have the lethal hits ability uphold the honor of the emperor models in this unit have the feel no pain of six up and the leadership characteristic of five so now their battle shock is even harder to get and they have a feel no pain of six ups which mike again yep uh abhor the witch destroy the witch models in this unit have a four up invuln save against psychic attacks and melee weapons equipped by models in this unit have the anti-psyker four up ability which means uh wounding of a four up now is now a devastating wound so you're transitioning to mortal wounds on a four up instead of six ups which is great against anything that has a psyker keyword and then accept any challenge no matter the odds melee weapons equipped by this model in this unit have a sustained hits ability so exploding sixes which is great for chaff armies uh then you have the death watch black spear task force uh i know there's like a there's probably that one Death Watch player in all of the world <laughs> who's like, oh yeah, um, this one's pretty good. But once again, it's like not as good as the Templar one because it's it's you select one of these three and they're active till the end of the phase, and then that's it. So the two of the phases you don't have anything going on. But Fuhrer Tactics, uh, while this mission tactic is active, weapons equipped by the, uh, these units from your army have the sustained hits. So once again, exploding sixes, you see that a lot. Uh, the Malleus tactic, which is what mission tactic is active. Weapons equipped by the Adeptus Astartes units from your army have the lethal hits ability. So once again, sixes to hit, uh, do mortal wounds. And you have the pure goddess tactic, which is the mission tactic is active. Each uh, Adeptus Astartes unit from your army makes an attack. If a critical hit is scored, that attack has the precision ability, which is also really cool when you're going up against like the you know attached leader ability. So mm-hmm. any unit that has an attached leader, if it, any um, critical hits, so sixes to hit, just get the precision ability. So that thing is automatically allocated to that character. So if you're playing guard, if you're playing Tau for like, you know, Cadre Fireblades, those, the weaker characters, they're going to die really quickly with this Brigadus Tactus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to worry. That's really something to look out. That's a, that's a decapitate the head thing as well. Cause also they still have all of these, different chapter ta- or all these different chapters still have the oath of moment ability so you can select one for the reroll hits and reroll wounds so if you really mm-hmm. want to hit that swarm lord that's attached to one of like the um, the tyranid warriors you just select the pergatus tactic and you do oath of moment onto that warrior squad and you can kill that swarm lord you know lickety split but yeah that's um that's the all the different little non-codex compliant chapters that was like six yep. factions in one. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, and and we're getting a little long in the tooth, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of speed through some of these next ones. So, uh, Stephen, 
what can you tell us a little bit about the next faction just give us a brief overview of how like what we're expecting and we won't go into reading the rules verbatim anymore we'll just you know summarize as best you can pretty quickly yeah so we got the adeptus sororitas we have the return of acts of faith um so you're going to generate your your miracle dice and you'll get one at the start of each of your turns and also when a unit dies from your army uh, and then you'll roll dice and that'll go into your pool. And then you can use those predetermined rolls for your advance roll, your battle shock test, charge roll, damage roll, hit roll, save roll, or wound roll. And then we have our detachment rule, which is the blood of the martyrs. And this one is, I'm just going to read it because it's a little wordy for me. Each time an Adeptus Sororitas model from your army makes an attack, add one to the hit roll if that model's unit is below starting strength and add one to the wound roll as well if that model's unit is below half strength. That's so good. For the purposes of this ability, if a unit has a starting strength of one, it is considered to be below starting strength while it has lost one or more wounds. And so the one other thing I want to uh, uh, touch on is for their Battle Sister squad, they have the ability Defenders of Faith, and that allows them at the end of your command phase to gain a miracle dice for every objective mar marker that you have one of these units on. So you can start farming miracle dice and, you know, getting those dice to where it really matters, whether it's on your like hard hitting elite units or some long range artillery. So yeah. I think they're looking good. Um, I have never played against them, so I don't know if this is an improvement or not. I think <laughs> it is. <laughs> and they were already relatively strong. They were not yeah, in a bad been... place. No, I think they've been a pretty good place. Um, so, Mike, uh, how about uh, Chaos Knights? Um, what What's their big thing? Uh, yeah, so I guessed wrong on what was next. Um, so Chaos <laughs> Knights, um, so their big thing is the Harbingers of Dread, which I think is a really cool play on fear and all that kind of stuff when it comes to, like, battle shock tests and stuff like that. So in the first battle round on, um, while an enemy unit is within 12 inches of a chaos knight each time it takes a battle shock or leadership test you subtract one and then from the third battle round on doom and darkness <laughs> you Ooh. each time each time a model makes an attack if it's battle shocked add one to the wound roll and then each time um an attack targets this model if the attacking model's unit is battle shock subtract one from the hit roll so it's just really really big play on battle shocking things which i think is a really cool difference that you'll see between imperial knights and chaos knights and then their uh, detachment rule traitorous lance um is just that it's in the battle shock step of your opponent's command phase so remember it happens every command phase but during your opponent's command phase if an enemy unit is below starting strength within 12 inches of a chaos knight it must take a battle shock test um so not if it's less than half if it's just below starting it takes it um, which is a pretty key difference. And it's a way to trigger things where it's like, oh, I only managed to pick off one Terminator. It's like, doesn't matter. Uh, that Terminator squad is taking a Battleshock test. Um, yep. So I think that's a really cool thematic thing. I, th I, don't know, I don't know yet. I don't have a good concept on how strong it is, but I think it's really fluffy and really cool. I'll be curious to see, uh, traditionally in 9th edition, Chaos Knights have been one big baddie and a ton of little baddies. And I'll be yep. curious to see how that translate if it, that's going to say the same where it's one big baddie and a bunch of little baddies or if it's going to turn into more of like a more balanced mix of 
small nights, big nights. So yeah, that'll be curious. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, no, I think it'd be good. Um, Reed, hit us with some Votan action. Oh, good old Votan. Um, they were the boogeyman Quick. when they came out. Um, yep. So now I, I have ancestors. They simplified it. And so instead of having multiple grudges, they do multiple bonuses. It's just two, max of two. Uh, if you kill a League of Votan unit, that enemy unit gains one judgment token. Uh, enemy unit can never have more than two judgment tokens. But if you have one judgment token, it's a add one to the hit roll. And if you have two judgment tokens, you get one to the hit roll and one to the wound roll. So it's just easier to kill that unit. And then their other thing is ruthless, ruthless efficiency. Start of the battle round, select one of one unit from your opponent's army that is uh, starts the battle with two judgment tokens. So automatically hitting uh, rerolls to hit rerolls to wound against that one unit. And if you kill that unit, you uh, based on the the turn you kill it in, you gain additional CP, which is going to be good uh, to do all their different abilities. So. Uh, first or second battle round is three CP. Third and fourth, um, it's two CP. And then in your fifth command phase, uh, one CP if you destroyed that model. So it's just you target it. That's pretty cool. No, I, I think that's good. And it's not as broken as when they first kicked Docs off things. 100%. I'm going to yeah. summarize uh, Grey Knights next um, because it's pretty easy. Grey Knights are going yeah. to flash mob around the entire <laughs> battlefield. Um, and it's going to be like a strobing light as they just bounce around. Um, teleport, teleport, teleport. Yeah, they just teleport. That's all you need to know about Grey Knights is that they're going to be decently okay. But their big thing is the fact that they're just going to Every single one of their units is oh, just going to fly. It's like for 2,000 point game, three units just get to, to teleport across the t- every turn. Every turn, just yep. three units. Just every turn. Across. It's just nuts. And, yeah, it's going to be like playing the the like the like the where's the P game. Hide the character. Hide the warlord. Um, and, uh, oh, you're trying to table me? I'm just going to fly away to the other side of the map and then fly <laughs> back. Um, so... Uh, Steven, hit us with some uh, Admech nonsense. Toasters of the Imperium, rejoice. <laughs> the Omnisai has praised us. We have our new and improved Doctrina Imperatives. We got two. Protector Imperative. Ranged weapons equipped by models in this unit have the heavy ability. Each time a ranged attack targets this unit, if it is in your deployment zone, worsen the AP by one. Conqueror Imperative. Ranged weapons equipped by models in this unit have the assault ability. Each time a model in this unit makes a ranged attack, if a target of that attack is in your enemy's deployment zone, improve the armor penetration of that attack by one. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty spicy. It feels like that's what, like, Space Marine Doctrine should have been in the edition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would concur. But then it gets even spicier. With the detachment <laughs> rule, rad bombardment. Yeah, it's real rad. Battle round man. one. Oh, it's <laughs> rad. Pretty rad, if you ask me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> pretty tubular. All right. At the start of the first battle round, for each enemy unit in your opponent's deployment zone, you got to roll dice, and they have a choice. Well, they have a, sorry, they have a choice to make. It is either get battle shocked, or you roll dice for each unit decides to just take a hit. And on a three plus, they take D3 mortal wounds. From battle battle round two onwards, any units within your opponent's deployment zone on a three plus is going to be getting one mortal wound. So, Matthew and I were talking about this. I think anytime you make your opponent have to make a decision, you slowly mess with their head. Yep. And 
you know, some people are probably going to chance it and be like, oh, I'll just take, you know, potential for one to three mortal wounds on my first turn where so I can still capture objectives. I don't know. This I think this is pretty interesting and we'll have to see how it plays out. It's all fun and games. Do you fail a battle shock test turn one? Yep. Um, it's also no, all it's... fun and games until you get chemical chemically warfared on turn one. Yeah, <laughs> it's just you, your strong. army rule is just chemical warfare. Super <laughs> strong. Um, all right, Mike, hit us with the next of the chaos realms. Yeah, so we'll go to the just the vanilla chaos marines. That was my guess. You would have said last. Yep. Um, and so their Brief new, overview. yeah, their new rules, dark packs, where essentially I think this one's very thematic. I don't think it's very strong, but you get to decide every time a unit um, is going to shoot or fight, and you can be like, "Yep, they're this dude's going to make a dark pact." If he does, he gets lethal hits and sustained hits one, um, which is bonkers. It's real strong. But after you do all the attacking, you take a leadership test. And if it failed, you take D3 mortal wounds. So I love it. I love the thematicness of it. Um, I don't know how strong it is, um, relatively speaking, because you don't want to do that to clear off a unit. And then now suddenly you have no unit left on your side after combat. So that'll be interesting. Um, I, I'd love to see somebody who's really good with chaos put that into action. I really want to see that kind of played out. Um, and then the other thing that just to highlight is Abaddon. Cause you know, he was previewed and Abaddon's really cool. So um, he's it's, I think it's just, we haven't really talked about it a lot, but all of the super leaders named leaders, um, whether they're Primarchs, Abaddon, Gazgul, like they all have this thing where it's like on the left, you've got on the data sheet, three abilities, they're usually auras, and then it's just during your command phase, you get to pick one, and that's what's the active aura. So every turn, you're picking between one and three auras. And that goes for just about every super leader, like a Primarch or Abaddon or Gazbul. So I think that's just a really cool change in how those characters kind of interact now that they're like, reroll one aura is just gone. No, yeah. I, I, I think that's pretty good. Um, Reed, hit us with your next thing. I so think... It's GSC, right? Yep, Gene Steeler Colts. Um, I played against these guys a lot. Um, they, were, they were a very high skill level army, uh, but now they have a cult ambush, which is just an endless horde. So now if one of your units die, you roll uh, a D6. And <laughs> if if their troops, a uh, battle line keyword, uh, they just automatically come back. But if they're not troops, on a four up, the unit is placed... Uh, into cult ambush and you place one cult ambush marker anywhere on the battlefield that is more than nine inches away from enemy units um and then in your next or at your enemies at the end of your was it, it's reinforcements phase so at the uh your your opponents at the end of your opponent's next reinforcement phase so you have to like sit out of turn pretty much at the end of that reinforcement phase your unit just pops up and your unit has to be touching that token but if your opponent moves within nine inches of that token, the token goes away. So essentially, if you put it next to your opponent, it's going to get taken away and that unit dies forever. But if you put it in your back line, that unit will just pop up. So every time one of your units dies, that's you know, one of your battle line guys, they just come back. And so they skip a turn. So they die turn one, they come back turn three. Uh, they die again, they come back turn five. Uh, if it's, you know, the Dune Ra or the the what is it? The skull crusher, the the rock grinder. There it is. Mm -hmm. The rock grinder that has the giant like rock grinding faceplate. If that if you spend all your energy shooting that out of the sky on a four up, it could just come back in another turn. 
uh, it's really powerful ability. It's one of my favorite abilities that's been teased in uh, 10th edition so far. And then Ascension Day is their attachment roll that came from below. Each time a Gene Stealer cult unit from your army is set up on the battlefield as reinforcements, so that goes into the cult ambush thing. Um, the army is set up on the battlefield until the end of your fight. next fight phase. Weapons equipped by this models in that unit have the sustained hits ability and ignores cover. So that's not only just melee weapons, but also shooting weapons. They just get exploding sixes and they ignore cover um, for anything that comes back from the dead, essentially. And also you can just still breeding in your brood brothers, but they don't get the gene stealers keyword. So they may not, they don't get the cult ambush. So I don't see a lot of brood brothers being taken on the table. I see it all just being uh, neophytes and stuff like that, where you just keep bringing them back, bringing them back, bringing them back. But once again, very powerful. I love it. That's good. Um, all right. Steven, hit us with your next one. It should be your final one, too. Drukari. <laughs> Power from pain. So depending on the size of battle you're playing, you get a certain amount of tokens. Uh, 2,000 points. Strike force. you're going to be starting with three pain tokens. And you'll also gain one uh, every time an enemy unit is destroyed. And when they have to take a battle shock test. Well, they fail a battle shock test, rather. Um, then you can use said pain tokens at the start of any phase to do two of things. So one is during the movement or charge phase, you get to reroll the advance or charge roll made for that unit. Or during the shooting or fight phase, you get to reroll the hit roll. So, you know, that lets you, you know, pinpoint where you want to be doing your pain. Um, I don't I don't know about y'all. Do you think this is decent or sort of on like the mid like I don't I, know. To me it seems a little lackluster, but I maybe I'm just not thinking about the, the power of pain ability. I, I personally think it's pretty powerful. Um they were they they're turning back into the glass cannon that I, I was hoping they would be. Because in tenth ninth edition they were not only powerful, but they could just take hit after hit after hit and keep going. Um, so like they're, they're empowered through pain, I think is amazing. I think it's an amazing ability. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. Yet again, I did not even play a single game with my Drukari in that edition, <laughs> which is a little sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then their detachment is real space Raiders, which is the whole, like, you know, take a, take Archon, take a succubus, take a Hemunculus and you get three pain tokens, uh, at the start of your game. So pretty good. Once again, encouraging a little bit of that mixed collection there. Um, all right, Steven, um, you know what? I'm not going to have you relive the pain of going through Death Guard in depth. So give me a uh, the briefest of synopsises on why everyone in Death Guard world is sad now. Oh, I mean, it's just... Uh, so big kicker is that our ninth edition minus one to damage is gone. Contagions are back though. So that is our army rule. Um, Nurgle's gift from grandfather Nurgle um, is that if you are within contagion range, you loot your enemy models lose one toughness. Um, and so first battle round is three inches, second, six, third, nine. Um, and so that is still very strong. There's no denying that reducing toughness is always great, especially because in this edition, everything is a little bit tougher. Um, so that's really nice, and that's it's very fluffy, I think, and I, I, I'm a big fan of the Contagion. And then the Plague Company detachment rule is spread the sickness. Nothing. Nobody. No, uh, 
oh, just wow. for, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then, um, essentially, what it is is the old sticky objectives rule. It's just if it, um, at the end of your command phase, if you control an objective marker with a death guard unit, and then that death guard leaves, it is still infected, and so therefore remains in control, which is nice because we're slow. So it's, I need to be running past objectives so that I can finally get to the fight. Um, and I can control all those objectives in the back as I run past them, which is nice. And I should—I say run, it's more like shamble. Um, past them. <laughs> We're not fast zombies. We're the slow zombies. <laughs> so those are still nice. Um, there's a lot of issues that we can get up to. I'll write a whole thing about it. Um, but those two things I can't complain about. I'm happy. So. There is a, a bright light in, in all the darkness. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Reed, what do you got for us? So they tease like a little side gig, which is the Imperial <laughs> Agents or Agents of the Emperor. Um, so there's no real faction rules for them. They have army rules, which just literally says the number of uh, Imperial Agents you can take based on your battle size. So Incursion, so 1,000 points is 1. Strike Force, 2,000 points is 2. 3,000 points Onslaught is 3. Um, in addition, you cannot select a Vindicare Assassin, Calyxius Assassin, Evasaur Assassin, or Caladius Assassin to be your Warlord. But anyways, I want to talk about the Vindicare Assassin, because I think this guy is going to be really good, and you're going to see him in a lot of Imperium lists, because mainly he has the precision keyword for both his pistol and his rifle, and his rifle is attack 1, with skill 2, strength 7, AP minus 3, damage 3 plus D3, so it can do upwards to 6 damage. But uh, each time this model makes a ranged attack, it's a dead shot ability. If a critical hit is scored, add three to the damage characteristics of that attack. After this model has resolved its ranged attack, select one enemy unit that was hit by one or more of those attacks. That unit must make it battle to- a battle shock attack or battle shock test. So it's precision. So you're not only are you just decapitating a lot of the weaker. Uh, leader character units, but you're making that unit take a battle shock test. Um, and then the shield breaker once per battle, when the selected uh, when selected targets for this model's Exodus rifle, it can fire a shield breaker round. If it does, until the end of the phase, each time this model makes an attack with that weapon, no saving throws of any kind can be made against that attack. So once again, the ignore invuln saves, ignore saves are like are few and far between this edition comparatively to ninth edition. So seeing the shield breaker a once per turn, like I will ignore your attack with this AP minus three attack. So anything with a six, uh, with a four up save, just doesn't get a save, and it just eats possibly nine damage, but max of six if it doesn't get a six or hit. So. You just take one. It's got the lone operative's ability, so it can be targeted unless you're within 12 inches of it. So you just put it on top of terrain, so you get plus one AP um, because of the terrain ability. And you can just kill any leader that's attached to any uh, attachment. I love it. I want to see more of these on the tabletop. Um, Then you have Inquisitors, Imperial Breachers. They're they're all really cool. Inquisitor Greyfax, they're all, once again, all really cool. All have their own subsets, but I just love... The Vindicare Assassin. I want to see more of those. Yep. <laughs> uh, Mike, can you give us demons and world eaters real quick? Yeah, so for world eaters, um, their uh, army rule is probably the most chaos thing of all chaos things. Um, because you roll at the start of every round 
8d6. Like, you're literally, like, beseech <laughs> the gods. Yeah, <laughs> Specifically, see. one god. And then you use the results um, to do uh, blessings from corn. Um, and I, I mean, I just, I've always loved World Eater and corn names. Like, rage-fueled invigoration and unbridled bloodlust. <laughs> They're just so grimdark. I love it. But the interesting thing, too, is you're not using value, like, sums you're using values so to activate for a round the rage fueled invigoration blessing you just have to have any double on your eight dice so okay i'm going to take this double twos i'm going to roll them over here and i'm going to take two to the movement characteristic of all models um and then there's all sorts of crazy things like very specifically if you roll double fives or any triple um double five up excuse me or any triple you can do one or double six or any or triple four up you can do some um and so the more the better buffs are harder to get probability wise on eight dice um which i think is really cool because it's it's very swingy (laughs) which i think is very interesting so i'll be very curious to see how that kind of plays out because i feel like you could just have a turn where you roll the right rolls and you get all sorts of really cool buffs and you just go off for a turn but also if you get that on your first turn you may not even be able to get into combat and it's like oh well <laughs> that's not great yeah. <laughs> and then but i will say like, i, I will say with, at least with eight <laughs> dice you're always gonna get two doubles like at a minimum, have six yeah. Options. yeah at a minimum you know you're gonna get at least a double or two or two doubles out of it or a triple and you can work with that this feels um, suspiciously like something where Mike will be like, statistically, it's not possible. I roll all sixes. <laughs> lucky for like, you. Oh, all sixes again and again. I don't know how uh, it keeps happening. Lucky for you, I don't have world eaters yet. Um, but <laughs> the, the other thing I will highlight, too, is that they even put it into Angry Ron's data sheet. Um, <laughs> anytime you... So if he's, he's dead and he's, you know, a beefcake... Um, if, but if you, the, you know, he'll get targeted and focused, and then when he's dead... Anytime you do that blessing of corn roll, so at the start of a round when you roll your eight dice, um, if he's dead, you can use a triple six to bring him back to life in reserves with full wounds. <laughs> it's just it's so it's cool. terrifying. <laughs> oh, it's terrifying. Alpha strike him. I dare you. No, it's so hard to get. Yeah. Like triple sixes on eight dice. Like that's that's hard. But that's that's gotta be like the world's greatest feel bad if you you know. Alpha strike Angron, and then like he just comes back next turn closer to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> so small little story here. I was just talking to a buddy who was at a tournament today or last weekend, and uh, once again, ninth edition Angron rules. And uh, I guess these people went to the tournament not fully understanding ninth edition rules or whatever, <laughs> and they went and literally first game, Angron goes into their I think it was like Admech and. This is whatever other army it was. Angron goes in their lines and spends the next three turns not dying <laughs> and killing everything. And they just packed up their stuff and left the tournament. <laughs> like, like and oh. we're into it. They were just like, not for me, and walked away. <laughs> so, uh, ouch. Well, um, he can right. still do and it. So- and then demons to close everything off. Um, their big army rule is the Shadow of Chaos, which I think is very fluffy. I think it's a very fluffy change to demons. Um, and so certain areas of the battlefield are considered to be in the shadow of chaos. So your deployment zone is always in it at the start of any phase. If you control half the objective markers in the middle of the board, um, no man's land, which is between the deployment zones, um, is in your shadow. And if you control at least half the objective markers in your opponent's deployment zone, 
then that deployment zone is within your shadow, shadow, army shadow of chaos. And that is by phase this is measured. Um, and so while a demon unit is within your shadow of chaos, it gets plus one to Battleshock tests. And if it passes, it regains up to D3 lost wounds. And if it's battle line, so like troops, like your blood letters or something like that, they get D3 destroyed models come back. And then while enemy is within your shadow of chaos, subtract one from their Battleshock tests. And if they fail a Battleshock test, they take D3 mortal wounds. So I think that is a super fluffy and still very strong (laughs) army rule. Um, And then their demonic incursion detachment um, lets you that each time a unit is um, set up on the battlefield using deep strike, if it's wholly within your army shadow of chaos, it can be anywhere that is six inches away instead of nine inches away from enemy models, which is super strong if you can control um, enough objective markers in the middle of the board that you can set your blood letters or something up within six inches that's so strong getting those glass cannons a more reliable charge so the other army rule they have is demonic pact um which is how demons can get included into other chaos armies um and so in a strike force which is a 2000 point game up to 500 points of demons can be included essentially which is which is nice that you can still have that over they previewed some of the big baddies but we won't go into detail on them. They're there. They're cool. Um, I love big, greater demons, so <laughs> can never get enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, and you know that that kind of brings us to the conclusion of our faction focuses. Stephen pointed out that we didn't talk about titans. Um, I think the easiest way to summarize <laughs> titans is first of all, much like Reed put together, it is much like Exodia from Yu Gi Oh. Yeah. You know, you just not, not the current card games. I don't know anything about that, but more like the TV show. You know, they're super rare, and if someone has them, uh, it's going to be a bad day for you. But uh, we all want to see titans on the tabletop, so. Go out, sell a liver or two, buy yourself a couple <laughs> warlords. Buy a warlord, buy a manta, and just yep, put it together. And pot them, put them on the table. Um, with that being said, so now we're going to go and top three armies. Actually, we'll just do this. We'll do top one army. Like, what do you think is the best? What do you think is the worst? Yeah, so, so who's going to be the bad guy? Who's going to be the feels bad? Yep. <laughs> so um <laughs> all right mike start us off who do you think is is pulling away from the the rest of the factions here and who is sadly looking on and envy so i think tyranids are going to come on real strong um they okay. are one the you know the poster but one of the two army poster boys for the edition two their rules are strong and three they have such a wide range of models and new models that i think they're just going to run away with it and i think they're going to be very exciting and very present um, okay. And then for like losers, I'm gonna poo poo a little harder, and I'm gonna say Death Guard. I think it's, I think, <laughs> I think uh, it's gonna take a couple balanced data slates before I feel good about Death Guard. Fair enough. All right, Reed, what do you got? Uh, so I'm gonna say for number one, demons. I think demons are gonna run away with it. Um, they're kind of mopping the floor right now in ninth edition and with the data slates they teased uh over this last like live stream i think with their faction rules and the the data slates they have or the data sheets they have i think demons are going to win it left and right just oppressive um the feels bad army i'm also gonna echo uh mike here and say death guard they're the only faction that i watched and like read and seen like they're so much worse 
comparatively oof. what they were. Yeah, big oof on the Death Guard. They need help already. Um, yeah. Hey. Uh, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna. Um, yeah. So, uh, Stephen, you uh, what do you, what do you got? What do you got for us? Uh, so my like the one to look out for, I would say, would be. Um, I feel like there's gonna be one guy out there with gray knights who's just gonna like. Like Reed's Reed went with demons, and then it's going to be the guy who crossed from him at the end of the game, at the end of the tournament, who's going to be Grey Knights, and he's going to crush him. Um, I just like their their teleport shenanigans, and I feel like in a in the hands of a good player, that that's just going to be the most annoying thing, yep, on the planet. Um, my feels bad army, I'm going to say is Necrons because we didn't talk about them during our faction <laughs> focus. Um, <laughs> just looking at them like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to do their faction focused. Um, they're, you know, they're the, they're the has-beens. They were the last, last editions, uh, Boogeyman. poster boys. Yeah. Um, um mm-hmm. Honestly, though, they look they look pretty decent. I don't think they're actually that bad. I will say my actual bet feels bad is going to be um, the Booger Boys themselves, the Death Guard. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, I, I, will, I will say, um, being an, if I was a Necron player, after reading the Gene Sealer Cult faction rules, I'd be pissed. Because uh, the Gene Sealer know, Cults a... can revive more units and just do it better than the Necrons can. That's true. Yep, that's true. Um, so for me... Um... I think that um, you know I'm you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb for both of them. So I actually think that the boogeymen that we'll eventually see are gonna be Admech, and I say that because they have an extensive range, um, and they they have not been doing so well. Like they were one of the worst factions here at the end of ninth edition. Which means that you know, given how the pendulum swings, they'll probably be doing pretty good. And the, like, I really truly believe that that ability to force your your opponent to make decisions, like when you literally ask them a question, like, "What would you want to do? Do you want to move everything, or do you want to take mortal wounds?" Like, I think that's going to be big. Um, it could be nothing, but I I think that there's going to be that like dedicated admeg player who's going to pull out. You know, so what was it? Uh, I, I was telling Steven, um, I'm in like as many Facebook groups as I can be. It's someone had uh, 2000 points of um, <laughs> of the, uh, the 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 like the Lancers for the Sidonian um, <laughs> Dragoons. It was like, yeah, charge of, charge of the Lightning Brigade. <laughs> and it was just like, just like, I'm going to terrorize. Like, how do you prepare for just like the, the ride of the Rohirrim on Gimp Chickens? Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and obviously that list is completely illegal, but um, th- I think they've got so much in their toolbox that they can they can do a lot with. Um, and actually, I I kind of go back to my earlier sentiment. I I was going to agree with Mike, but I think Tau might struggle a little bit um, because you now as a as an opponent to Tau, you don't have to know all their rules. All you need need to know is that you have until turn three to do all your heavy hitting because it doesn't matter if they get sustained hits, if you've taken off all the scary things on the board Um, and they are decreased survivability um, and they're, they weren't really survivable to begin with. So unless they can do some drone shenanigans to keep things alive, a smart player 
now knows exactly how a Tau player is going to react. So like, for instance, if you're an Admech player, you are going to decastle a Tau player and then you are going to just you, like you have them where they don't want to be, which is either taking wounds they can't afford or getting them closer to you, which is not what they want to do. And then you can use one of your crazy things to get up close and do damage. Um, and uh, so I think Tau are actually going to be kind of left behind there. Um, and I'd say, you know, you could have the powerful characters, but nobody has the new Farsight model, except if you're an influencer. So, um, darn it. Speak the truth. Uh, so now that we're done with that, Mike, give us a transition noise for the ages. Wow, that was perfectly timed to someone flushing the toilet in this wall that scared the crap out of me. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so now we're going to quickly bid farewell to ninth edition. So we're going to go around the horn, and I'll start. Um, and we're going to say something we liked about ninth edition and something we really didn't like about ninth edition. So I'll, I'll go ahead and start and say I love the fact that ninth edition um brought in a healthy meta um and i think they did a good job of the balanced data slates um i really like that as a thing i hope that continues but in eighth edition excuse me i'm getting tired um you had a lot of like armies that just kind of dominated and dominated and dominated uh and then like got replaced and then another army dominated and dominated and while we had a couple of those I, every time I saw pictures of people playing and stuff like that, it was always different and local metas, you know, were a big thing and even big metas. It was like, oh, hey, it's a gene stealer cult meta, but someone wasn't planning for this one guy to come in and dominate with his off the wall faction and skew list and stuff like that. And I think what ninth edition really highlighted was if you like, no matter what people are saying is good at the time if you are a faction specialist then at one point in ninth edition you did very well um because at one point your faction was good enough that in your hands as a faction specialist you did well with them um what i don't like is that it's like ninth edition was poorly executed in terms of rollout codexes and they skewed, in my opinion, way, way too far to the competitive side, which led to more and more, I don't know, uh, it, it almost feels like you're reading law books nowadays when you're looking at uh, codexes and rule books and stuff like that. They have to be so wordy um, because, you know, people try to find loopholes. And I've also heard that certain large scale competitive gaming groups have already found loopholes in the Leviathan book, which means those rules are going to be invalidated like day two or something when a certain site uh, that teaches people how to play competitive is like, yeah, we broke the rules via links and now all your rules are invalidated. <laughs> why do we, why do we have rules? Um, anyways. So, um, that that is a, I think ninth edition when eighth edition came out, it was a good edition. ITC picked up the edition and turned it into something more competitive, and it worked for both people. Ninth edition be, was a competitive edition. I think it made it hard for new people to get in, and it made for the rules to be a lot more wordy. 
Um, and so hopefully 10th edition isn't that way. Um, Steven. Yeah, you know, I'd say clearly to me personally, the game was just a little bit too much in terms of rules and how many books there were that it just never really interested me enough to want to like sift through all the books and learn how to play the game. Even though I would say as a whole, the vibe has been to work and simplify the game over the course of its life. Um, I think we've been going in a positive direction for most of ninth um, to the point where most people felt like the, at least the competitive scene seemed fairly balanced with, with the exception of certain outliers. Um, but yeah, I mean, still it was just too complicated for me and I'm looking forward to the 10th, even though it's not like, you know, their whole thing is simplified, not simple. Uh, we'll see how that actually plays out for me. Um, but I think we're going in the right direction and I look forward to seeing how everything else goes, but let's see how, what, what do you think, Mike? What, what's your impression of ninth? I mean, well, obviously your death guard were actually worth something, but. Well, I mean, we were never great, um, which was sad, but except I think, in Spain. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> I, uh, I'll start with my biggest like disappointment. I wouldn't say thing like I disliked or anything like, but the biggest like flop for me was Crusade. Um, I love the concept of Crusade, but the execution is just too much. <laughs> this is already yeah. a big game with a lot of homework and a lot of rules and all that kind of stuff. And crusade added, I think it was a good idea and concept. It just added one, two, well, probably like three too many layers on top of an already hefty game. So I think that was my biggest disappointment because I was pretty hyped about it. And I know we tried to get a crusade league off the ground, a digital crusade league. And it's just so much, it's so much to track and keep track of and learn. And it's just too much, I think. And so that was my biggest disappointment tonight. Um, and I think like echoing Matt, like balanced data sheets and seasons are my two favorite things about ninth edition. The balanced data sheets are, I think the appropriate modernization for the competitive scene um any game has patches any game ever has patches and faqs and erratas and i think it's good that they're taking a deliberate approach to it with the quarterly data slates and then i think too the seasons is really strong as well because on top of that balanced data slates are also making it so it's not you're just not going to go to the same tournament six months apart and do the same exact thing it's going to be different the game drastically changed with arcs of omen than it was before that. And so like those changes on top of the balance data slates to make sure those changes don't break the game are, I think a perfect modernization to the competitive scene. Um, and I really, I really think that was a good shift for them in ninth edition. So I, I know the data slates hopefully will keep going. I think all that'll be a big positive intent. Um, but I also think that Crusade is going to be rough. I don't think that's going to have changed. So we'll see how all that goes in 10th. What about you, Reed? So as someone who played like all facets of 9th edition, I played competitive, I played casual, I played boarding actions, I played Crusade a lot. Like I've done all of those things at a Crusade League. Um, I, as of right now, I'm, I'm happy where 9th edition is right now. Like the meta... 
that you see on like the Meta Mondays on Reddit, um, and then just in my even my local the several local metas that I was in, I've never seen a healthier meta where any faction has the ability to clinch that first place spot. Um, some obviously are harder than others, but like I am very happy where it is right now. Um, I think some obviously factions are better than others, but like where it is competitively, I I'm a fan, but that also means that also affects if I'm not in a competitive mood, I am not happy with the fact that it took two years to have them release Tempest of war cards. Like the Maelstrom of war eighth edition was so much fun to play because it was just, I want to throw some dice on the board and I want to roll dice and I want to put my models on the board. and I want to have fun with my buddies. I, I, that was often playing with new people who haven't played very often. Like I played a game two weeks ago uh, with someone who hasn't played very much of ninth edition is not very familiar with his ninth, ninth edition death card codex, which is fine. So I was like, okay, I can't take a very competitive list. I have to take a very fun list. And then like, we're just going to play Tempest of War cards and let fate decide how we do. But the fact that it took two years for them to release those cards makes me mad because I just want to, I, before then I was just, I was using the Maelstrom of War cards from eighth edition and just making my own rules. I, I don't, I did not like the all about competitive mentality that ninth edition had. So I'm very excited about 10th edition where it's a mixture of both. You could let fate decide your secondary objectives and you'll get more points that way, or you can pick and kind of plan and pregame your secondary objectives, but not get as many objectives or not get as many points. So I'm looking forward to that. Once again, I, I, once again, you've all, you've all already hit, the main major points that I was talking about crusade was way too much work. I remember sitting in my office for like two and a half hours, just writing and recording and on the little book that we bought and then trying to play friendly games with, uh, with Matt in our apartment, uh, when ninth edition first came out and you're like, okay, you got to pick three secondaries. And you're like, Oh shit. Like, Oh my God. Like what, what secondaries do I pick? I just, oh, I just, just this blew my mind. You guys were still in that apartment at the start of ninth. Exactly. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like I said, I, we've I've been so long. Um, I'm I'm excited to see, just like in Eighth Edition when the index came out, I'm I'm happy with Ninth Edition. I'm familiar with it. I love it. Um, where it is right now, but I am ready to see it go so that you know that excitement of. Even if the Tau end up being bad, I'm 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 okay with that because it's the excitement of something new. I've gotten so accustomed to the codex and how my units fight that I have, you know, eight or nine preset lists that I can run at any point in time because I already know them. I want to see those new models. I want to see those new codexes or the new codex. I want to see the new data sheets and see how they play against other factions. I'm even eager to play even just the 500 point combat patrols because <laughs> they're preset and you're like, like the local community that I'm in right now in Hawaii is like, Hey, as soon as the combat patrol lists are out, we're going to have a combat patrol tournament. So it's not even That's about cool. like yeah. whose combat patrols are better or whatever. It's just because yeah. they're all fixed and pre-pointed. Like who's the better general? Who's the better at yep. like making the tactical decisions? And also whose dices are luckiest? Who's going to get the better <laughs> roles? That uh, sounds like a great yeah. way to learn the game for 10th. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. Um, well, you know what? We've had a long discussion. 
um, and a late discussion, uh, especially for Stephen and I. Um, so I think this is a, a you know, a, a good farewell to uh, ninth and a good way to welcome in tenth. For those of you listening, um, you know, once again, we'll we'll try to get more of this content out when we can, but please bear with us. And unless we've got any other things to say, I hope Go that everybody has a good because <laughs> really by the next time we do this next episode uh hopefully all the everybody's data sheets will be out and we'll all be talking about you know what's good and what's not and everything and uh, so make sure you've got a credit card on standby so <laughs> the moment and you've got i would go and put one of everything you you think you might want in your uh, e- ebay cart and then as soon as those rule drops you you buy what you can before they increase the price by $45. Um, and yeah, you get what you need to have a good addition start. And unless we've got any more closing comments, I think that's it for us. Thank you guys for being with us. Thank you guys for recording. We have been the scattered guys talking about scattered dice. Have a great day, night or afternoon. Bye guys. Bye. 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 Thank you.